Welcome to another episode of Third Impact Anime. My name's Tori. I have quite the cast here with me tonight. Joining us for the first time in at least 150 years is Ryan. Hello, I'm back from the dead. We also have Tobias. Please, you have to use my full title. Tobias the Hedgehog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, I can't wait to talk about our personas later. And... Bill, not the tiger who's constantly going through a a roid rage. Not road rage, roid rage. Unlike that Bill, I think I'm not an asshole. (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. So for those of you listening, if you've not guessed, we're going to be talking about Beastars. And I am super excited. But as per usual, we do have to get some general housekeeping things out of the way. Um, I think worth mentioning over on our website, thirdimpactanime.com. Both Austin and Sully have written two articles separately um, about what we all can be doing during this time of uncertainty and everything being canceled left and right due to um, good old COVID-19. Austin's article is more about giving back to the community during um, conventions being canceled, like I said, so how to support artists and cosplayers, etc. And um, Sully's is more about ways you can keep yourself engaged and entertained, and this is a very rough time um, for a lot of us when we're so used to going out to work or class or anything like that, so... I really enjoyed Sully's because I am not always the best about keeping myself entertained and I know that can lead to some mental anguish sometimes feeling like you don't have enough to do but um, good little thing to keep yourself on track there and to go with that we all here at Third Impact Anime beg you to please wash your hands and to wash please... your hands, eat some fruit, stay at home, and try not to go crazy. Thank you. Basically, no, no, um, shining shenanigans. Basically, um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, keep to what your local government is saying. If your city or town or wherever is asking you not to go outside for anything other than. Um, essential needs, so the grocery store, getting medication, going to doctors, etc. Please really try to limit yourself to that because I'm not sick yet and I don't want to be sick and going to the grocery store is my one reprieve that I have through all of this, so don't ruin it for me. Yeah, I don't even know if that's true anymore. I went to the grocery store yesterday to stock up a little bit and like Mm -hmm. they wouldn't give me the normal basket that I need to carry the four things I came in to get. They were like, no, here's a cart and we're going to take five minutes to disinfect it for you first. And I'm like, can I just go in and get some bread? (laughs) Better safe than sorry. They were doing that when I went grocery shopping yesterday, too. Yeah. 
Um, well, I guess this is a more poignant than usual question. Um, let's talk about what we're doing to keep ourselves busy. Um, I've talked too much, so somebody please go ahead. <laughs> well, why don't we start with you? What have you been doing? Me? Yeah, why don't we start I with you? I just said I've talked too much. I don't want to start. <laughs> That's what I've you've been doing. Much. You've been talking too much. Okay, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> we can circle back to me. You, you go ahead, Ryan, since you volunteered yourself. Okay. Well, me, like the rest of the internet, Happy Fun Zone has been playing Animal Crossing New Horizons for mm -hmm. the Switch, like, to death. Like, God, I haven't put that thing down since I picked it up. Um, that's actually partially true. Um, so besides that, I've been painting minifigures because I bought a Batman board game that's supposed to arrive in December. And it's, it boasted that it has paintable minifigures. And I'm a huge Batman fan, so I want to paint all of them. But I don't know how to paint figures. So now I'm learning. And I have plenty nice. of time to do it because I'm working from home and I've been working from home for like three weeks now. Mm. But last major thing that I've been doing, you'll be happy to hear, Tori. I have willingly subjected myself to my first real horror experience. Heck yeah. I've what? been playing Half-Life Alex. Okay. <laughs> oh, <no>. That <laughs> okay. excitement and then disappointment. <laughs> no, it's, re it's really good. But like... That's good. Like... You have no idea how much my blood gets pumping when the the wrist flashlight goes out because of a glitch <laughs> while I'm being chased by headcrabs and then one of them jumps on my face. I it's thrive. not a fun time. I thrive watching other people get scared because I do not get yeah. scared. <laughs> the worst the worst part about it was today. I like get this flashlight and they're like put it on your wrist and I was like okay and then I put it on. It's like now you can like wave around your wrist to you know shine the light and i noticed when i was trying to hold it still it was not being still because my hand was shaking so badly oh no <laughs> so uh, i was just I like oh i'm scared that. this is a horror experience cool <laughs> but right. enough about me how about bill um unlike the internet i am a hipster and don't care for animal crossing Mm -hmm. um, I know I'm a I'm a bad bad person. On uh, a side I, note, this will be Bill's last episode. We wish him very good <laughs> in the future. Yeah, they're just gonna cast me to my uh, my uh, domain that is the Third Impact website. You can only write articles now. You can't be on the podcast <laughs> anymore. <laughs> you don't get to say such ludicrous opinions like that. <laughs> Well, uh, my two things that I've been doing uh, to not go insane is I finally watched Frozen 2. Oh, uh, I can't wait to hear about all that. Yeah. Um, on, to keep it short, I thought the music was okay. I thought wow. The, compared to the first movie. Bill, you're was, digging yourself into a <laughs> No, like compared to the first movie, it's not as good. Yeah. The first movie songs are much more memorable. I will say the second movie has 10 times better pacing. They didn't just put song, song, song right on top of each other. Uh, and I liked that they didn't have a traditional villain uh, in the second movie, which was good. Mm -hmm. um, and also, ooh, those water effects were so pretty oh, to look at. Yeah. yeah, they did a real good job. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, and I did laugh that they had Panic at the Disco. Same oh, with God. Me. They sure did. And we I served. loved it. It was, it was just funny hearing them because uh, they would be a total fit for like a CW teen drama. Uh, and um, Fall Out Boy was on one of those ones. I can't remember which one. I think it was. Was it like oh, probably like One Tree, Tree Hill? Hill. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> Insert yeah. generic teen angsty drama oh, here. Man. Pretty people having pretty people problems. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Oh, to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did laugh at that, and then as for my comfort food, um, Hearthstone stuff is happening. To not bore everybody to sleep, I'm just going to say we're getting a new class, which I'm really excited Ooh. about. And they're making it so the gotcha is not as mean and evil to me in terms of really? my wallet. Yep. So That's unlike Hearthstone. Hey, everybody's has their gotcha. So That's not true. anymore. So Coward. whether that be uh, fate or whether that be... Uh, I guess Pocket Camp or that Fire Emblem mobile game that I forget the proper name of. Fire Emblem Heroes. That's it. That's yep. the ticket. That uh, one was mine as well as Kingdom Hearts. Oh, yeah. Oh, the Kingdom Hearts mobile. <laughs> Rest in chaos. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm just excited about the new Hearthstone stuff. So that'll keep me entertained while I'm confined. When is When uh, is the new class dropping? Uh, it's dropping in like two days. So, awesome. So it's coming out on the 29th, and then the new expansion's coming out on April the 7th. So, so we're rebranding into a Hearthstone podcast. Got it. Uh, <laughs> uh, if I if I did that, I think uh, I'd drive everybody insane. Get get the get the straight jackets on. Get yeah, me. pretty much. All uh, right. How about Tobias? Well, I likewise have picked up Animal Crossing enjoying that as well i mean not much more to say about that it's just a fun fun hangout time uh been catching up on some movies i finally get around to watching parasite mm-hmm. which no is pretty spoilers great. i got around to watching ready or not it's pretty great yeah They're both movies about <laughs> destroying just, the rich yeah you're just trying to kill the rich trend right there aren't you <laughs> Yeah, I guess I guess I am. Didn't really realize the connection at first, but there you go. Yeah. Uh, um, with our regular movie night, uh, we've watched uh, Run Lola Run, an older favorite of mine, as well as uh, an adaptation of the Alice in Wonderland movies, just Alice, by um, Jan Sveikmeyer, whose name I probably just completely butchered. Sounds German, uh, right? What you gonna do? Uh, Czech, actually. Okay. But yes, I uh, solely recommended that one and when checked out. And it was uh, a lot of surreal fun. Definitely up my alley. Um, other than that, uh, we played the FF7 remake demo. Really looking forward to that here in about, what, two weeks now? Not too, yep. not too far. God, now. is it really two weeks? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I, uh, I went from being, being a game that I would probably pick up and probably play to something I really, really am interested in. I think it played very, very well. Did a um, was a really good adaptation, modern adaptation of the first chapter of that game. So I'm really looking forward to the full thing. I have not played that yet myself because I'm like, wait two weeks, you'll get too hyped if you play it. So I'm yeah. you need to at least download not. it and load it because it gives you some dynamic wallpaper or something. Oh, okay, I'm definitely going to do that then. Yeah, nice. and it's I mean it's pretty much just the first chapter. It's I mean it, I played through it twice. Uh, the first time to sort of bumble through because I, I never played ff15 
And from what I've heard from people that have, that it's FF15, but better, like more polished. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of the vibe I was getting from the trailer. So I'm happy to see that. Yeah, it, it plays, you have, kind of have to get your, wrap your head around it, the way it mixes both the Kingdom Hearts-esque action um, gameplay loop with the more traditional turn-based um, ATB stuff. Yeah, I feel you do, like that's I think gonna be a, a good now. balance because with real-time combat, you could just like spam spells if you didn't have to like build to them. Exactly, yeah. uh, I think it plays pretty well. You do kind of have to get wrap your head around it. So I, I went and played it twice just for the hell of it. Tobias, I have a question about this demo. Uh, yeah. Okay, so you said it's kind of got a Kingdom Hearts action loop, kind of? Yeah. So does yeah. that mean that they have the awesome uh, battle phrases during battle? Take that! Go! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they do have banter, don't they? They, uh... I mean, there's, there's like, you know, dialogue and whatnot, but oh. I feel like you're paying... You're paying um, you're paying enough attention to like you're, you're you're hitting the attack button, but also paying attention to your your bars as they build up, and trying to. Uh, I feel like it works a lot better once you unlock using both Cloud and Barrett, because you do kind of have to juggle between them. And that's another thing that people who played FF15 and the demo say is better is juggling multiple characters. Yeah, uh, I when, like I, played, really when I played 15, I didn't change to anybody else besides Noctis. Yeah. 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 You kind of you kind of have to here because Barrett has ranged attacks and also, at least in the demo, has cure, whereas Cloud doesn't. Uh, so that when you get up to the, the Scorpion boss, um, especially the first time, you're probably going to be kind of bad at it, like I was. <laughs> Don't hit him all his tails up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I I feel like they just again it feels so much like the original game, but the way because you go through the areas and they base it just exactly off the areas from the backgrounds. Because mm-hmm. remember the original game, the backgrounds were all part like a flat background. Yeah, they just had made it where your character sort of walked over it to make it look like they weren't actual three D models. But you recognize every area you go through from the original game if you played it. And even though the battles aren't really randomized like they would be in FF Seven, it almost has the same feel of you fighting through an area with the same types of enemies and it, it maintains a lot of the weirdness because you remember ff7 had a lot of weird monstrous fantasy like uh enemies as well as things like soldiers yeah yeah and they really they really do that here as well so the enemies kind of feel weird in some places it really feels like uh they really going with the whole mako you know infection vibe uh, through this as well so i was very much a fan of the demo i'm gonna pre-order the uh the full game here you know in digital so i don't have to go outside and uh you know get the corona <laughs> but uh i i really enjoyed it um i think the worst part is that we're gonna have to wait probably another 10 years to get the second part yeah gotta work on the zippers yeah i kind of wish they had done something where we would get the second part out sooner <laughs> maybe they will but uh i, I think it's gonna be a lot of fun all right very much looking forward to that. April 10th, here we come. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not sponsored. Not sponsored. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I think I mentioned before, probably when we talked about Advent Children, that I've never myself played through Final Fantasy VII. Like, as when I was a kid, I watched my dad play through right. it. I'm really, really looking forward to this one because it's given me a chance to completely play it fresh for the first time. Like, right. I downloaded the original one on my Switch, but I lost interest really quickly for some reason but i feel like this will kind of nab me and bring me in because i really love final fantasy 15 yeah. and just to see it so like 
Modernized, yeah, I think so I too. There's there's a lot of fan service, uh, little little things that you get here and there. The music, mm-hmm. you know, of course, if you recognize the music, they they've done it like perfect justice here. That's so, what I've so, been so listening great. to for in the trailers yeah. is the music. And it it's, is it's so good. It is the whole the whole bobbing mission was already a banging tune to begin with, but here it's just oh, it's so great. Yeah. So yeah, I think even playing it fresh, like even someone who hasn't played the original, maybe you won't get the nostalgia factor. Like but it's me. still a solid game, I would say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will say it's not it's not uncommon to lose interest when you first start with Final Fantasy VII. Parts of Midgar are very slow, but if you actually yeah. get out of Midgar and start going to other places, that's where it really picks up. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. I've played a lot of other games that way too like i mean even persona 5 was that way for me where yeah that's persona like one of my 5 was a really slow ever. start wasn't it <laughs> yeah um but man other than that i've just been um much to no one's surprise i've not picked up a single book <laughs> <laughs> no no going outside and reading a book um what have I been doing? Oh my god. I made the mistake of buying Fire Emblem Three Houses because I thought I wasn't going to be able to get into GameStop to get Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I have plenty to keep me busy for a while. Um, yeah, I kind of fell off the train of movies. Um, not watched a movie in a while, but... And let um, me just clarify your comments real quick. You did sure. not make a mistake. You joined a religion. <laughs> and let me so. be the first to welcome you okay thank you i am enjoying fire emblem um i remember taking in a lot about that game like the first month it was out and i definitely share some of the complaints and criticisms with it so far that i've seen a lot of people convey online but um other than that i mean i'm just having fun gaming <laughs> Heck yeah. so real gaming hours the main topic in hand let's go into what the show is actually about um and i guess i will do the honor and cut the ribbon and read the plot um which goes lagoshi a large gray wolf is a timid and quiet student of Cherryton academy where he lives in a dorm with several other carnivorous students including his outgoing labrador friend jack as a member of the school's drama club, Lagoshi works as a stagehand and supports the actors of the club, headed by the star pupil Louie, a red deer. 
Out of nowhere, Tem the alpaca is brutally murdered and devoured in the night, setting off a wave of unease and distrust between the herbivore and carnivore students. At the same time, Lagoshi has a fateful encounter with Haru, a small dwarf rabbit, and begins developing complex feelings for her. So moving on, before we get too far into the meat of the show, um, I'd like to talk a little bit about the cast and what they've done. So, Okay, so with the cast here, we have uh, our, our two main characters. The first, Legoshi, the wolf, uh, wolf boy. Just kind of read the notes here, and Ryan has got little nicknames for these people. Uh, in the Japanese, Legoshi is played by Chikahiro Kobayashi who plays Sugimoto the Immortal in the Golden Kamui anime adaptation. Uh, in English, Legoshi is voiced by Jonah Scott, who also played for Maggio in part five of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Golden Wind. What a golden. Then we have, <laughs> then we have uh, Haru, the dwarf rabbit. The what? Uh, ja- the bun-bun. The bun-bun. The bun-bun. <laughs> the bun-bun. Uh, Japanese, she's played by Siaka Sinbongi, uh, who is a Mume in Kabaneri, the Iron Fortress, and Trish in Golden Wind as well. In English, Haru is voiced by Laura Jill Miller, who is, I'm not even trying to pronounce this. Chirithi. 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 Timothy. And. K-H? What's K-H? Kingdom Hearts. Anyway, it doesn't, doesn't matter. <laughs> Nobody cares. And uh, she voices Kari in Digimon. And is also Freddy's mom in iCarly? <laughs> yeah, she awesome. is. Awesome. <laughs> oh, definitely up there in the anime of the year. Yeah. She's a, uh, a renaissance woman, to be sure. Mm. <laughs> and then uh, Rui, uh, the deer, is voiced in the Japanese dub by Yuki Ono. Who is Josuke in part four of JoJo's Bar Adventure and Diamond is Unbreakable. And voices Kagami in uh, what? Kuroko's Basket. Kuroko no Basket. Kuroko no Basket, yeah, yeah. That's the the fan term, right? (laughs) Uh, In English, Rui is voiced by Griffin Poitou. I believe that's how it's pronounced, yeah. Poitou. Poitou, who is Hop in the new Pokemon miniseries Twilight Wings. Which, by the, the way, if you haven't watched, is actually worth your time. I watched the first episode on the YouTube stream. Do they, they have the others also on their YouTube? Yeah. Is that the one that's Colorito? Like, the super pretty looking one? Yes. The, the, yeah, so. the first episode is at least. Okay. Yeah. And uh, moving right along, we have Juno, the girl wolf. In Japanese, she's voiced by Atsumi Tanizaki, who is Lisa in Terror and Resonance. Uh, Tomei in Mob Psycho 100, and Chise in Ancient Magus. Ancient Magus. Is it Magus or Magus? I always hear Magus, but I guess it could go Magus. either way. Yeah, so ancient ancient wizard's bride. <laughs> the, ancient, the ancient Harry Potter bride. Yeah. In English, Juno is voiced by Lauren Landa, who is Annie in Attack on Titan, uh, Sakura Kyoko in Madoka Magica, and Sailor Neptune. Really? Even the original? The original no, band? she's in the new wave of Sailor Moon dub. Uh, Crystal and all that? Um, it didn't specify, so I'm assuming that she's in the redub of the original series and oh, Crystal. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Uh, next we have uh, the panda doctor, Gohin, who in the Japanese voiced by Akio Otsuka, who is uh, Wham in 
part two of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. <laughs> There's a lot of JoJo in Beastars. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, who is this nerd in the Kingdom Farts? Uh, he was Xehanort. Z is, yeah, Z, Zehanort in Kingdom Hearts. And uh, the panda is also, uh, the, the voice of the panda, Lutzka, also voices writer in the Fate series of, uh, you know, anime and stuff. And he was Bato and Ghost in the Shell, which is where I know his voice from. Yep, right. And Brian he's Bato. the voice of Blackjack, the coolest doctor ever in anime. <laughs> he's a very, very yeah. talented man. Yes, he is. All right. So in English, uh, Goheen is voiced by Keith Silverstein. Who is uh, Robert Speedwagon? EO Speedwagon? REO Speedwagon? In part one <laughs> of Adventure. So, so far, we're, we're, I, so, so far we are missing Stardust Crusaders. Not, I did not do that on purpose, I swear. We don't have anybody in part three, really? No. No. Nope. no. Sorry. And, uh, Silverstein also voices Char in the, the uh, Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin. Yep. I also that met guy... him last year at Momocon. He voices uh, Torbjorn in Overwatch. Yeah, he's got a pretty gnarly portfolio as well. He does a lot of video games. Like, mm-hmm. a lot. Awesome. And lastly on our list, we have uh, Bill the Tiger, not Bill the Human. <laughs> uh, El, El Tigre Chino, as Ryan has noted here. In Japanese, Bill is voiced by Takaaki Torishima. Uh Looks like we've got uh, Kirikita Pretty Cure as a background role. Uh, Devil May Grow. No, not Devil May Cry Baby. <laughs> Devil Man Cry Baby. Sorry. Uh, and, and you, that, you put, you put nobody DMC can here. see this because these are my notes that I have made, but PP3 Psychopath 3. <laughs> is that what PP3 means? PP3 is Psychopath 3. like Persona Portal 3? No. Persona. Okay. Oh, God. Anyway. Yeah, I thought you mistyped P3P. No, uh uh-uh. uh. Psychopath 3. <laughs> okay. And that's Devil, May, Devil no, May Cry, Cry Baby. Devil May Cry Baby. It's the Psychopath. No, it's the Psychopath nobody's watched. It's on, Amazon, it's on Amazon. Yeah, I've not even watched it yet. And then in English, Bill the Tiger is voiced by uh, Keiki. Keiji. Tang, who is Archer in Fate Stay Night, Unlimited Blade Works, and Guts in Berserk. I. Is that the, the new the new yep. guts? Mm-hmm, the yeah. CG. Okay. Okay. And uh Joe and Megalobox. Oh, that's interesting. Interesting. That definitely fits Bill. The tiger, that is. <laughs> Although Bill, if you want to talk like Listen, you know, blackjack or guts, that'll that'll work too. <laughs> guts would never treat anybody like that ever. He's an upstanding young man. Yes, he is. Who regularly fights demons and in the manga is a like entirely different character yeah um okay so since we're talking about the cast the both the japanese and english i have to ask what did you guys watch the sub or the dub um austin and i watched the dub and i was actually very pleasantly surprised for a few different reasons like the cast was really solid and i'm i'm one of those people that I guess it just depends on what I start the first episode in. Like, when I was watching it before it hit Netflix, I was watching it in Japanese because that was my only option. But this guy, um, Jonah Scott, that they got to do Lagoshi, I am so hoping that he continues to get roles because I really, really like his voice and I feel like it fit that character really well, especially when he would start doing that, like, that, like, 
how do I explain it? Whenever Lugosi was going into his like beast mode and he would drop his voice a couple octaves, I was he'd like, like drop man. it and start to have that like low growl to it. <laughs> yes, and I was like, oh man, he's got a very like perfectly good video game voice. I think like I could see him voicing like protagonists in video games. Yeah, he he actually does have a pretty decent video game repertoire. Uh, specifically, oh, that's good. specifically, he was a voice in Yandere Simulator. Oh. I really liked Haru's voice too because I feel like with a lot of American anime voice actresses you just have like hi I'm so and so and this is my life and this is what's going on and oh my god and then it just progresses higher and blah, 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 whatever but like her voice was really nasally like not in a bad way I thought it fit um, the character super well and it was just different and it's not really like anything I've heard within like the little pool of dubs that I have dipped my toes in. Yeah, it, um, caught, it caught me off guard at first, but it was a perfect bunny voice, if that like makes sense. <laughs> like it's just what I imagine a bunny would talk like. Yeah, it's kinda kinda it's really hard to replicate too. Like I I can't even do it. I just really like her she voice. She kinda talks a little bit like this. Yeah. But it it's it's not bad. But better than that. <laughs> Um, I thought, I thought, uh, Louis voice actor was really good at kind of going into his slow descent into madness. Um, yeah. and then I think Juno's voice, once again, her voice actress is one of those, like, I'm talking like this, but it fits her character very well. Cause she is very manipulative and Juno like, has big yandere energy. <laughs> <laughs> um thanks for just wiping my brain of all coherent thought um, <laughs> um as you big were saying panda, big panda i love the panda and the fact that he's like like a psychologist is even neater like his whole like we can we can go down into like actual like characterization of said characters but um also other than that, I mean, the actor who voiced Bill as well, I think, was really good at being a jerk. And um, I flipped back and forth a little bit because I wanted to hear how everybody sounded in their respective language. But I think they honestly really knocked it out of the park with the English cast as well. So Yeah, I watched it in English as well. And typically with me, if there's a good English dub available, that's what I'll watch. Mm -hmm. um, I did listen to the Japanese dub just, to, you know, so I could compare and they were both really good, but, like, this one, definitely, you could watch the English one and not lose anything. Um, there were a few lines, and we can get into this when we talk more about the actual characters. There was something that Haru specifically said that they changed the line in English, and I thought it would have had so much more power if they would have kept that original Japanese line. But, um, Bill, Tobias, what'd you guys watch? Uh, I watched the uh, the Japanese, uh, there's a Japanese there, and I'm, I'm really glad to hear you guys talk about them doing the growls. Mm -hmm. That was something that I noticed, even not even in the very, you know, dramatic scenes, but even in their casual conversation. I thought I was maybe imagining it first, mm -hmm. but they have definitely added a bit of a growl, especially to the Goshi and Bill's voices mm -hmm. when they're talking. Uh, I, I wasn't sure if I noticed more of the sort of animal um you know, intonation with the other characters. Mm -hmm. But it was very noticeable when Legoshi talks, you know, the majority of his series, that there is a 
there's definitely a growl in the back of his throat constantly, mm. yep. which I thought was a really nice touch. Uh, I watched the sub because before we decided to do a podcast on this, um, Michael, who I watch, my friend who I watch a lot of anime with, was really pushing me to watch the show. And so he will never do dubs for whatever reason. So uh, we did the sub. And I thought the sub was uh, really entertaining. I, th- I think um, for certain voices like Gino's, her, her uh, Japanese voice actor doesn't have kind of that high pitch uh, voice that English actors seem to have. Her her tonal range was kind of kind of mid tier lower, um, and also I think uh, having the voice of Black Jack and Bato made Goshen my favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, because we'll get into it later, but I did not. I at first I thought this was just going to be kind of like an anime CW teen drama. <laughs> I did, I did not expect this to turn into a Yakuza game. Uh, yeah. I will dismantle the government or the the yakuza. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, to to taper off for a minute, I think that is a problem that I feel that I run into quite a lot and obviously we don't have enough time to delve into that. Um, but I feel like in voice acting, they equate any high school girl with needing to sound like this, but they all don't. Like yeah. like look at Azukin for example, like they they have normal speaking voices like yeah pitch varies depending on the person but i don't know why we equate so much with a high pitched like gentle voice equating with like a teen yeah i don't know either so. i think that's a problem i have with a lot of english dubs yes when you ever watch a trailer in their voices maybe it's just because trailers are introductions to series and introductions aren't really indicative of the full product mm-hmm. but i've yeah, I've tried. I've tried to watch a couple of trailers for new dub stuff. And again, if you like it, that's cool. And I want to bash that. Yeah. But right. it, I feel like Japanese um, dubs tend to just embody characters better. It, mm-hmm. Yeah, it really depends. Like if the English dub is done well, it's done very well, typically. But there are some there are some that are like passable. But then there's like a lot of them that are just lazy, really. Yeah. Well, and also it depends on the time constraints they have and the yes. wide cast of actors they have. Because since Netflix primarily used West Coast actors, their voice talent pool was much more wider than, let's say, Funimation, who has to use voice actors around the Dallas. From Houston. Texas. <laughs> yeah, from the Texas Dallas Houston area. That was the moment I discovered the small rabbit and my instincts. Why don't you take responsibility for your own strength? Coexistence? What a joke! I'm just so frustrated at myself. Carnivores are all the same in nature. I'm tired of running. You should just take me. I don't care anymore. I guess we should probably talk about... Uh, just go down the list and talk about characters and how we feel about them, because, boy, I got a lot of thoughts. <laughs> all right. You want to start um, us, then? Okay, let's go with Lagoshi. Well, do we want to start from the bottom and work our way up, or yeah, let's versa? let's let's save the big boys for last. Okay, let's talk about Bill. Oh, well, I'm right I, here. I think so. Bill's been a pretty good contributor lately. He does write some good articles, even though we don't hear him very much. <laughs> oh Lord, um, we're anyway, supposed to so be talking Bill... about the show, though. Yeah, right. So Bill the Tiger, um, I. 
so I've only read the first two volumes of the manga, but I want to see... I don't want to see a character <laughs> just, like, put into the role of, like, you are just the jerk. Like, there's obviously a lot going on with him. Like, why, you know, does an, why does a high school student in an acting club feels like he need to roid rage on rabbit blood just to get through his performance or whatever but like i didn't even equate that with roid rage i more so equated that to like actors doing like ecstasy or cocaine before doing a performance i didn't know that was a thing but oh yeah no that's that's like a very big thing i don't know why but it is um i'll have to look more into that but anyway i'm hoping to like see more from him because i'm sure there's something going on like he obviously seems like a troubled character you know he was ready to eat somebody's finger off no questions asked and even yeah. was like let's split it four ways and we all can have a little bite like he wouldn't have eaten the whole thing plus he's kind of like the the stereotypical like jock bad influence of like hey let's go to the black market and we can uh have some fun there and with the with the blood uh example you gave just before the performance and he, if this was like a t- uh a traditional uh like live action teen drama like he'd be the bad the bad boy uh villain character in the in the show yeah definitely i do feel like in season two which thankfully is confirmed um i do feel like we are gonna get like probably more development on him and we're gonna find out like yeah pretty much what you said like why why he's like kind of a dick and like what he's got going on behind the scenes my prediction is it's usually those type of characters they have like some sort of insecurity that they're trying to hide or that they're, yeah. that they don't want to show and so they use their toughness to hide that. So that's I'm probably what gonna, it's going to be. Yeah, I'm going to assume it's probably something like tragic because this author, she sort of has the tendency to give like everybody a tragic backstory. Gotcha. <laughs> like, yeah, nobody can just exist, which I mean, it's it's fine. It's definitely not the worst offender I've seen. Um, One thing that be- I kind of wondered if they if she was going to do is um, we don't know who ate the student at the beginning. I forget Tim. his name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he did. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people. Yeah, think I feel like that'd be like him. really obvious, but at the same time, it would be like, yeah, we thought he was a bad guy, but we didn't think he was like a straight up murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, they kind of forgot about him in the show, and I'm sure that it will continue in the second season because I want to know. Like, I love a murder mystery. I want to know what happened because the alpacas are like so cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like that's what the last, the very, very last scene teed up for, where it was mm-hmm. just like. The random kind of just person standing there smiling for no reason. That's like a, that's kind of like a blatant psychopath thing. Yeah, for sure. You see, you see, Beastars is really just the anime version of Twin Peaks. Of what? <laughs> Twin Peaks. Yeah. They set up this murder mystery, but they don't really care about it. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, Bill as a whole, I, I mean, I, we're definitely going to talk more about the themes in the show, but Bill really embodies toxic masculinity. For sure. Uh, he's very much about doing this, what is traditionally masculine, you have to do it this way, you know, even if it involves what people would see, you know, think is, is terrible, whether it's, you know, doing rabbit blood or going to the meat market and you're doing this taboo thing that you're just supposed to do because you're a carnivore. And it's what all carnivores do, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And while we have, uh, you know, Legoshi questions a lot of 
um, what it means to be an adult and be in the society. Bill is very much the go with the flow. This is what everyone else is doing. So it's what you have to do because it's right. Right. You know what? That I was so excited to have a character with my name in it, but then I realized, Aww. oh no, he's a jerk. No. <laughs> Man, imagine uh, how I felt sitting down to watch cats. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can well, imagine. I, I, I'm I'm here to clear all people with the name Bill's name. So we're gonna we're gonna show people that there are good Bills out in the world. Good. I did think the whole scene with him on the stage where that happens was very intense. Oh my god, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And I'm just like, things. there would be no way in realism that they would ever pull that off as like, oh, yeah. we weren't actually trying to where murder were the each other. Yeah, where were if this was real life, the teachers would say, This isn't in the script, yeah. close the curtain, we're gonna we're gonna break them up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think I think without derailing too much that's why the medium of them being animals and not people i think works very well because they can get away with certain things that like you said wouldn't necessarily fly in realism exactly so okay moving on we have mr goheen um oh i forgot to put jack in here oh crap oh well jack Um, we can touch on him real quick jack is a good boy he is Jack Mr. Is Peanut Butter, isn't he? <laughs> he is. <laughs> oh, God. I know the question comes later, but Austin is a, is a Labrador retriever. He absolutely is Mr. Mm. Peanut Butter. Mm. <laughs> anyway, um, back on track. So, Goheen, which is uh, the panda. I got um, two words to say about Goheen the Okay, panda. go ahead. Bamboo crossbow. Yes. <laughs> Dude, I Shit, love yes. that. <laughs> Oh man, when he shot that lion Yakuza in the head, I was yeah, like, Yeah, that was amazing. Oh shit. <laughs> I'm glad that he genuinely showed or seemed to show interest in wanting to help the go see. Like he didn't he didn't necessarily shame him. He was like, Okay, we gotta figure out which one is it. Do you just have this really weird interest or is this like a legitimate thing? But Yeah, I liked the thing that he was also like he he was able to show him like Yes, you're not crazy for not wanting to indulge your predator instincts. I try to help those who don't want to. Right. And I, I think that's like, I think that's a good piece of advice for people. Like, you don't have to, you don't have to be the bad parts of you, or you don't have to be the bad things that happened to you, or you don't have to be like the bad people who did those things to you. You can change. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was it was very good. I liked him a lot. He was a he was a good character. Uh, bamboo crossbows aside, he he was kind of like the the older adult mentor role. Yes. Kind of like that's I'm here. What I'm, he was. I, I'm here to help you kind of figure out your feelings, and I'm not going to give you the answer, but I'm gonna but we can talk it out, and hopefully you can come to a conclusion yourself. I love how his answer literally was just like, "Here, look at porn and figure it out." <laughs> 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 see i was trying to say that nicely yeah i mean there's no way to beat around the bush for that it was uh, just ryan so funny. Hey. don't use that phrase <laughs> whatever okay oh. moving on um juno i really hate her and that's all i have to say <laughs> she, she juno she, colon i really hate her <laughs> big yandere energy like i thought she was gonna be good at first and then i was just like oh 
you literally are like, if I can't have Lagoshi, nobody can. Yeah. Um, I love the scene of her and Haru on the stairs, like, kind of going at each other. And yeah. I was like, oh, no. Kiss, kiss, kiss. I love the, <laughs> I like, I love the scene of her and This is where I want this Louis. show to go now. <laughs> yeah, I love the scene of her and Louie. Because she was just coming on to him, and that's when I got the thing. I was like, oh, she's a straight-up psycho. Yeah, she's um, quite the interesting player as well. I, I'm interested as well to see where she goes, because I find her whole uh, dynamic of, like, I'm going to pretend I'm super she's definitely nice not and sweet. Done. Huh? She's definitely not done. Like, we definitely haven't seen the oh, last of her. Oh, for sure. Like, her, but her whole dynamic of, like, I'm gonna be super sweet and fun and peacemaker on the outside, but on the inside, I'm thinking about killing you at any moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, Especially I, now with Louie out of the picture. Yeah. You know, we don't know what's, what's up with yeah, Louie. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, I'm kind of wondering about that because, like, he's he's probably dead, but he was such a good character that I really don't want him to be. I don't think he's dead. Ryan, nobody not dead. Nobody yep. did. Exactly. I, Bill, I read oh comic books. I know that. <laughs> I'm glad he's next because I have a lot of feelings about him. Well, wait. Can, can I just say, yeah. I did not, I didn't dislike her. I found her fun because those type of manipulative characters are what makes a plot engine go. Yeah, That's I didn't fair. dislike her either. She definitely, you definitely weren't meant to like love her though. Someone yeah, out there does. That, oh yeah, for sure. sure. Um... I just, I guess I don't like characters like that because it's just like when they're when they're directly interfering with people's feelings because I'm just like mm, let them be happy they deserve it. <laughs> um, but if it's like just causing absolute chaos and like bringing kaiju to Earth and like making everybody live in a simulation, like <laughs> well, that's but, fine. Wait, what show did you watch? <laughs> yes, <laughs> Talking about yeah. Gridman. <laughs> <laughs> but I would. But isn't the thing like there's always a thing of a love triangle in a teenage. Uh, teenage See, drama, this show though. has a love square. <laughs> Who's the fourth? Uh, oh, yeah, actually, you're right. It it's Louie. Yeah, it's right. Louie, Haru, Lagoshi, Juno. Right. Oh, yeah, you're right. It, is, it, took, it me, is a took me a minute triangle. to register. Oh, yeah, there was a thing with Louie. Yeah. So, oh, man. Okay, well, we'll get to it later. I don't... I just thought about that one scene in my heart, which is like... Mm. <laughs> um... Okay, any more thoughts about... Well, the the other scene where she brings Lugosi uh, up on stage and is oh, just Oh, yeah, like, I hated that. I was like, you manipulative asshole. I wanna, yeah. how, do they how do they find where he and her were in the Cinematic crowd? convenience. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, boo. Disagree. Yeah, but the well, fact they were that they were she... in the middle of like a school festival, so with a bunch of people around, they'd have to know <laughs> pinpoint exactly where they were. That okay, actually, never mind. I know what you're saying. Yes, that was yeah. kind of like how the hell did they know exactly where he was going to be standing? Right. Um. But when she brings him up there and she goes to take his hand, and the fact that he never closes his hand around hers, he just leaves it open. Oh, I didn't like, notice that. You are a very good boy, and I <laughs> admire your dedication. <laughs> but yeah, um, if you go back and watch, he never closes his hand around Juno's. He just leaves it open because mm. he's just like, um, no. But I do like that much like Haru, they both are kind of introduced as just kind of just high school girls. But then mm -hmm. you see them evolve and get more complex very, very quickly. Yeah. 
Uh, and I appreciate that of her. We see her initially. She's just being picked on by you know a couple of people being you know being B stars racist, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, then you know we eventually fall. We, we do see very quickly she's very much more in control than she likes to let on. Oh yeah, that was that was the thing is I was like she's going to be the Moe character, and then she wasn't. <laughs> I know that's actually a really good thing to bring up though I'm not that but going back to when both of those characters are introduced they're both being bullied yeah there was a lot of that like a whole lot of that I guess next we can talk about Louie alright for somebody who could die at any moment he exuded okay what am I allowed to say on on this BDE big big deer energy thank you (laughs) you all knew exactly what I was trying to say um you know you know in hey Arnold when Helga's like I love you but I hate you I love you but I hate you yeah that was me the entire time with Louie the problematic Mm -hmm. fave in this show is Louie I loved his character. Like everything they did with him was just perfect. Um, I am the idiot who loves to look at tags for shows that I love on Twitter. And if I had a dollar for every time I scrolled past a tweet that was like, um, am I supposed to find this dear sexy? I could retire. (laughs) 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 It really gave me a laugh. Um, anyway, that's not reflective of my own thoughts. I just thought that was really funny. But... <laughs> nice little asterisk I generally, there. I, I, I generally don't like characters like Louie being sort of the aloof um, elite type of character, especially when you get in school shows like this. There's this super popular Blue Blood type character. Mm-hmm. But seeing his like sheer passion in the uh, in the play and like the, that, that one scene we axe it out with a broken leg uh, mm-hmm. it, it did give me a lot of appreciation for him as a well, character a very intense character you, you know that that could kind of relate to his past of just his brutal yeah. pe- his brutal past of him basically living in a cage and being treated horribly to exactly. where um he's like i can endure the pain i can put a face that disguises my pure anger and frustration because i can survive and yeah, I think right. that that's kind of his past kind of dictates how he why he acts kind of aloof why he has a certain kind of blue blood upper crust it's it's an armor that he wears mm-hmm. yeah exactly. the one thing i really liked about louis character is um in a lot of shows there's always that jock character like typically they're the jock character but they're like the all-star who everybody likes as just a person and they've always got like the, they've they've got like the big game or something like that and for louis it was like this performance that was coming up that he like needed to do in order to like succeed in his goals i liked that it, instead of like him being a jock he was an actor this time like i really liked that it was very interesting well i think that's a that's one aspect of school that i think most media portrayals forget is just like every sort of facet of school whether it be like a, your drama club whether yeah. it would probably be your anime club, there's always going to be clickiness and there's always going to be that charismatic leader uh, within, those, within the subgroups, not just mm-hmm. the, 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 the typical jock that only possesses that power. Right. I think them being in a drama club for this is very interesting because like you said, it usually centers on sports and things. Um, I just think that's a good vehicle for like the shows about 
intensity and feelings and drama so was the school the, like I, I didn't really pick up on this in the beginning uh -huh. was the school like an art school because they all seem to be doing like fairly non-like typical couldn't, high school things couldn't tell you other than it's just a private boarding school yeah that's that's pretty much as much <clears> as a lot of the, a lot of those things they talk about being clubs so i think they were just skipping the boring you know math stuff, yeah. and literature stuff by just showing you the interesting parts right yeah um, I did notice that it's like we we saw them like reading occasionally, but like they were never like in class except for when you met um, the hen girl, which I I loved her little side her little side <laughs> oh God, intro. We gotta talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the scene where he and Haru first meet, and it's so funny funny the way it's written because if you weren't really paying attention to it, it reads weird. But um, when he's just like. You don't know me. You'll know. You won't tell anybody that it was me who lost his horns or whatever. And she's like, "Who are you?" <laughs> yeah. But um, the way it's written is made to feel like I lost my thought. Never mind. No, I, um, I get what you're trying to say. Yeah. Like it, it, it showed it had good energy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like overall as a character, I think he's very multifaceted. I. I really yeah. hope he's not dead because I feel like it's going to be a waste of a character. Like he's, he's... too important of a character to be dead. He's he's right. definitely he's definitely in a cage right now because we didn't even hear a gunshot or anything. Exactly, and he's he... going to come back at the end of season two. <laughs> like surprise! You thought I was dead. <laughs> um, he's going to be he's going to be brainwashed into well, thinking he's well, alive. Remember, at the end they show they, they show a newspaper where they say he's missing. Missing. He's missing, yeah, but we knew that. Dead. Like. So yeah, because he wasn't. Be, so, so there's no body. So I'm. My hope is that he comes back as head of the yakuza. Let me let me get <laughs> a little after, grim here. After after his mental breakdown, I'm just I rule the yakuza now. God, I love let, that. Let actually. me let me get a little grim here though. Okay. In a world where you don't just kill your murder victims, you devour them. There won't be a body to find. His horns. Okay. True because <laughs> then again he was like devour me but leave my horns i was like oh okay the thing showing the past with him and haru like when how do i put it politely i guess the first time you see them like hooking up in the garden club shed and at first i was like oh maybe he likes her because she doesn't pretend that he's anything but who he is and like that's really nice and that's kind of wholesome and you know that's understandable but then you see as it keeps going on that it seems to be just purely transactional yep um that was kind of heartbreaking like i i expected better of him but i can also understand that train of thought but don't well, agree that it's right well <laughs> yeah, maybe but i think the end the end kind of shows that that's the opposite like he sees it as that or he seems to see that because he's raised by his adoptive father to mm -hmm. you know be this boss to be above it all and that's definitely what drives him is that you know he needs to be in charge to survive mm -hmm. and but i think that he does eventually open up he does eventually open up to haru he just can't really admit it to himself because he has you know capital r responsibilities <laughs> but at the but at the end like he goes to save her but is he doing it for her or is he doing it for lagoshi that's that's fair i, th I think i think honestly it's because it, he was told by the the principal you know 
basically you can't do this. You have a responsibility, capital R. Yeah. Then you cannot do this. You have to get over it. Mm-hmm. And if he really viewed her as just you know an object, um, then he wouldn't have done that. I feel like maybe he's trying to come over it. He maybe he's not. He has a, If he comes back and we see him actually back for real, mm-hmm. you know, in season three or whatever, I think that's going to be a major part is him sure. coming to terms with his actual feelings, perhaps fighting Lagoshi, who you know by season three or whatever will likely have already developed a deeper relationship with her. I, I know we're we're skipping about but i i feel like i want to talk about lewis and leoshi's relationship because their relationship was like a weird sort of like lewis wanted leoshi to be the typical ideal of a wolf very aggressive very tough and it, it was like uh those confrontations in the in the kind of drama club back room Mm-hmm. Um, where he's in kind of in his head of just like, come on, go! I'm waiting. Attack me! Growl at me! Uh, and uh, it, I, I don't know if that was sort of a thing where he just wanted to assert dominance, or he wanted to show he wanted someone else to have equal strength or power to kind of spar with. Mm-hmm. It was definitely a very weird power dynamic thing and that's a i feel like a big theme of the show in general but they definitely had a weird power struggle and i agree i think it was very frustrating to louis to not be on the receiving end of that from the goshi yeah it was definitely there was definitely a few moments where the power dynamic for louis just did not add up with you know this he's a deer who's literally like Mm -hmm prey versus what he's exuding like Mm -hmm. when he literally intervenes between two predators just like going at it like literally probably trying to kill each other and he's just he's just like nope stop now if you remember too like he's literally been traumatized so he doesn't see himself as himself i'm assuming like he doesn't like i feel like he knows that he is a deer and yeah, like he, he knows he, that like you knows. get what i'm trying to say yes he knows what he is but he doesn't care right i just um, found it funny i'm just like you do realize they, these two could both kill you if they felt like it absolutely also the show keeps faking me out because i was like am i supposed to start shipping Lugosi and louie <laughs> what is going <laughs> on um but yeah I, I find their relationship interesting and i'm excited to see that grown So I feel like Lagoshi and uh, Louis both embody the same principle. Mm-hmm. The principle being a complete rejection of these supposed norms. Right. And whether you see the animal nature stuff as a metaphor for racism or more like sexual kind of stuff, like they both are rejections of what the show builds up as the default. Yeah, for but sure. But 
yeah. Legosi is more in his head, is more rejection because, well, this kind of sucks and I don't really want to do it. I just want to be myself. He's all about, you know, being in his head and wanting to embody himself. Uh, Louis does that by rising above. He has to be on top of things. He has to conquer, uh, you know, his own nature. Of course, in this case, the nature is being the prey, being the submissive one, whereas Legoshi's is the complete opposite. I feel like when we see Louis fight back against Legoshi, it's it's it it's kind of both that innate fear that he has mm-hmm. um, from being prey and the fear that he's had growing up and knowing that he has to fight best to survive it. And I feel like there's also kind of a um, I don't I don't really know what the word I'm looking for, but it, maybe it's not embarrassment, but it's like come on, like you're the predator, you're supposed to be better than this. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you're supposed to be better than me come on, what the hell is wrong with you? So I think they both kind of, they come from different angles, you know, surely, but they both kind of embody the same rejection, I feel like. I want to see him shoot more people. Me too. God, when he pulled that gun, that was the most hilarious image ever. (laughs) There's just this deer standing there with human hands and human fingers. (laughs) He he better come back in season two wearing the same suits as Cosmo Kiru from from Yakuza. (laughs) God, I'd pay to see it. Um, He's Goro Majima. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay. Um, Well... Now we gotta talk about Haru, I guess. I feel two ways. I really love her character, and I can sympathize, and I can relate, and I understand what she's going through. But at the other, like, on the other hand, I feel like they Mary sued her a little bit. Like, everybody is just like, oh, you're so small. You're so fragile. Let me get that box. Let me get that door. I'm gonna sleep with you now. Are you okay? What's going on? You're small. You're tiny. You're small. I think, like, I think the thing of her, everybody wanting to sleep with her is because they they knew they could in a way because she had a reputation of being, like, promiscuous. Well, so my thoughts stem from that is that she is doing it. Well, obviously she's doing it as a coping mechanism mm-hmm. um, for the way she was treated, like, as a kid and growing up. I mean, she even kind of, like, explicitly says that. But, yeah, she um, said, like, I, nobody valued me until they, like, had sex with me. Right, and I thought her whole thing was that she had been um, assaulted because that can be a triggered coping mechanism for people who go through that. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that's what it was going to be, but it wasn't quite. It was just her being like, I feel nothing and nobody sees me as a human being. But, like, I can understand it from that angle, too. Um, But, yeah, just the whole treatment. I think I think they took it maybe if they would have reined it in just a little bit, I don't think it would have been as bad. But, you know, at the same time, she was like doing so much for herself and like she was sticking up for herself. And, you know, she didn't let Juno boss her around. And dude, that um, scene was amazing. Yeah. And even when the lion Yakuza had her, that was a really rough scene to watch. Yeah. I oh, I, anyway, um. But when she looked at him and she's like, I'm not fearful. I'm very calm right now. And that was the scene in which I think if they had kept the original dialogue, because it was something to the effect of like, I won't let you make me feel fear as a woman. And I'm just like, oh, shit. Like, that's really good. Okay. Um, But they changed it. They changed it in English. Yeah. I still liked Um, the line. I thought it was I thought it was impactful. And it was like, oof, you can't you aren't getting what you want out of her. 
No, yeah, I, w- I would agree with that for sure. I think a lot of a lot of the animal relationships here, especially with carnivore versus uh, herbivore, are very um, subtly sexual in nature. Yeah. Even the ones yeah. that are not necessarily, like, it doesn't have to be necessarily a harvest stripping down and ripping your pants off. Like, the whole thing with the Goshi jumping in the beginning, that's, I mean, that's kind of the assault there. Yeah. And we don't really play it off as being a big, you know, big you know, thing that he did because we don't really want to paint Legoshi in that picture. But the way that she talked constantly about you know being a dwarf rabbit, always living in fear of being uh, made, made prey of, is right. that's 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 the sexual assault thing right there. There was yeah. also even like and the little I, racism well, between the different types of rabbits. Like the, I don't remember yeah. what the type that the mm. the Oreo it was a cookie harlequin girl. rabbit, a yeah. purebred harlequin. I mean, rabbit. the harlequin rabbit is literally half black, half white. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Not really subtle about that at all. And um, I, I do think the lion would be more more strong in that that sort of final scene mm-hmm. but i guess i kind of i kind of got that i guess just from the whole carnivore herbivore metaphor to begin with this, mm-hmm. this, i mean were this taking place in reality were this actual yakuza that's i mean that's what would be happening here yeah mm. the thing you said about her mentioning the like i live in constant fear um right. as as a herbivore haru right, i right, was just right. like wow that that applies to me as a human, a real human being. <laughs> um, and that's why taking these like narrative tools and applying them to animalistic creatures makes it almost more palatable, I think. Because if you would have yeah. given me the same exact story with already like with human characters, essentially, I'd have been like, oh, okay, we're doing this again, aren't we? But in a weird way, because it's not, it's kind of like, when you read Oyasumi Punpun, you don't have a character to fixate on. So in a way, you can kind of project yourself upon them. And you're like, okay, well, this is something that I've gone through or I go through. But you actually have to think about that because it's not a person. Like, you have to put that upon the character, sort of. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I think that was conveyed very well with her. Like, yeah. It she, felt yeah. real. It felt very real. Yeah, no, I agree completely. You're absolutely right. Um, you know, with Pun Pun, with the only non-human character is Pun Pun, and you see these scenes, you know, ex- like like they are literally. But here, there's a lot of a layer of metaphor to sort of, um, maybe not protect, but sort of cushion you from what it's, it's being said, and you you kind of can't think about it. Right. <laughs> it's it's kind of like it's, this might be a crude metaphor. It's the it's the sugar coating of the hard medicine that they're kind of forcing you to swallow it was interesting watching her character progress because as you kind of watch the show you you think one way and then you think another way where her sexual uh promiscuousness it was it's a it's a more complex thing where when she does her monologue of i first i i hated being uh, this well white rabbit but through the these um sexual encounters I gained a, some sort of it was a, some sort of power that she was gaining mm-hmm. uh, with her and her partner, but it also has this um, set into it where all those uh, sexual encounters are very detached, and it's the power it's just to feel she, something. Pe- yeah, just to feel something where it's a it's a false power where yeah you have that power in that moment, but once the transaction is done, then it's back to normal. 
Um, yeah. I'm, I am glad that, you know, other than her bullies, nobody ever really... Well, and then the stupid boys who were, like, bragging about it. But, I mean, what else would a 17-year-old boy do? But, like, yeah. nobody ever really made her feel bad about it. Like, Lugosi was just like, I like you, and if that's your problem, we'll work on it. You don't necessarily have to do that. But he never made her feel bad about it. And I'm like, that's very kind of you. Mm-hmm. The only thing about her character that I was that absolutely made me go, like, what was when they were about to get down and because it all happened twice uh the the yeah, second I, I time probably the first time when they oh, go the to hotel the, room? the hotel room yeah, when they, uh, the not, hotel. not the fake out oh, time the time where he wanted it to um mm-hmm. and like um she was just like she just was overwhelmed with the instinct to get eaten by him like, and i'm like i'm sorry i don't think that's a thing <laughs> um, I was like, I don't know. You've been on the internet. Ryan. Secretly wants to die. Like, no, I think she has some weird things she needs to work out too. <laughs> no, but they were like explaining it as if it's like, oh, well, both species have the instinct. Well, he has the instinct to he- eat her, and she has the I instinct mean, to get eaten. And I'm I like, no, that's not a thing. Can be paralyzed in fear, like when they see a predator. Yeah, but she was like but actively not... trying to get eaten yeah. by him, well, and I'm just like, this Ryan... isn't a thing. I know it, you can know you can look at it this way: is it's a it's a sexual fetish, is it's a it's a it's a it's a sex act, uh, it's a it's a specialized sex act that they are both desiring and that they are both kind of secretly craving in the back of their own mind. If, that's true. If Freud, if, if, Freud, if Freud would if Freud was here, that's what he would be saying. It's like it's I mean, a deep, it's rabbit it's very, mothers eat their young, so yeah. I mean, I think Actually, it's, yeah, really related to the, the uh, related to the related to the parents, just like Fred would say. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really just part of the the metaphor with the carnivore and herbivore thing. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think literally she's wanting to be eaten. It's one of those things you kind of have to read into. Where up until this point, we've seen her in control of the sexual encounters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. she's very much doing it because it gives her power. Um, you know, not necessarily the same kind of power that Louis has when he acts, but that's how she gets her her agency. And here, I think she's actually starting to fall for Legoshi. So her instincts give in to, you know, if you see the act of predator prey as being sex, up until that point, she's just doing it to feel um, equal, special. At that point, she really wants to give in to it completely. Right. Uh, that's kind of how I would see it there is that it's she's not comfortable with giving in to the instincts, which in this case maybe could be described as love. Of course, the metaphor breaks apart when, like you mentioned, yeah, she's being literally devoured, but <laughs> you kind of have to read between the lines here. Right. I, I agree with you, though, and I think I think what makes it hard for her is that she realizes that she might legitimately care about him and it becomes too complicated when you do those things with feelings <laughs> yeah it's almost like when you've been hurt your entire life and you open your heart again and you're afraid of being hurt i wouldn't know anything about that literally literally being hurt <laughs> as in your arm ripped off oh. yeah so i mean that's this i think that's kind of what it is here that she's she's been hurt she doesn't want to open her heart to heart to anybody she does she just did it to louis and look what he did to her mm-hmm. uh she, she doesn't know that he came to rescue her too she didn't see him at all yeah. and oh i my think God. the end 
Go ahead. And I think the end there is like she's kind of thinking about Louis, but then suddenly um, Lagoshi shows up when she's writing the letter, and then Lagoshi actually shows up, mm-hmm. and I think she's having to sort of consider her own feelings there in that moment. When um, the power went out at the school festival and Lagoshi mm. showed up and she was like, yeah. Louie, I was like, oh no. Like <laughs> I could feel my heart sink with his, but he just played it off so cool. He's like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, that moment too, where she's writing that letter and is picturing him and like picturing all the like horrible things that have happened to her. I felt so bad when she was just like, what am I doing? I've wasted my life. I'm like, Oh, Oh no. <laughs> yeah. uh, overall, I liked Haru as well. I kind of went into this, and, you know, knowing what happens in the first episode, I, I thought it was going to be a little more, um, a, a lot less of a subtle metaphor throughout. Um, I thought it was going to be basic, you know, carnivore before they get into a relationship. What happens? But uh, so I kind of figured she was going to be a little more generic, but mm-hmm. pleasantly surprised to see her to be well developed. Uh, I did not expect her to be ripping Lagoshi's pants off. No, neither did I. <laughs> in the second episode, I, that was the very... moment that was happening. I just covered my eyes. I was like, "Please don't make me look at what yeah, I think I'm about to I, look I, at." I was no, just like, hmm, I did not expect what? this. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I, I thought this was going to be a lighthearted rom com. If that makes you feel any better, <laughs> yeah. I thought yeah. this is legitimately yeah. going to be a comedy show. One of my friends phrased so, it like, "If I would, if I had known what this was gonna do, I wouldn't have watched it with my roommates." Oh my! That could go, <laughs> that could go a lot of ways. <laughs> I heard you kids like Zootopia. Let's just watch yeah. this B stars thing. No, like that—that's that, why. Like he—he he really likes that yeah. stuff, and he was like, "Yeah, if I had known that, that would have been something I did on my own." And yeah. um. Well, that- Ryan? Uh, yeah, I know how that sounds. <laughs> Ryan? I know how that sounds. But um Ryan? that that was the thing that I was glad about speaking of Zootopia is that like when he first grabbed Haru at the very very beginning, I was just like is something making him do this because he seems like a nice guy and now he's about to yeah. commit murder. And then it was like, yeah, um he he's his natural instincts are taking over. It's not like Zootopia and I was like, no. "Oh, okay, cool." I was glad they did something different. It'll be interesting to see in the second season uh, with how uh, if she can if she and Lagoshi have a more tr- kind of traditional uh, mm-hmm. relationship if she can learn to be uh, trusting to him and comfortable with him and not just uh, view it strictly as just a power transaction and it can be mm-hmm. something much more than that. Right. Um... Just a, kind of as a final thought thing on her, I guess. Um, I was hoping the episode in which they have to stay overnight in the hotel, I was hoping that that was going to go in the direction of like, well, if they if they end up doing this, I really hope it starts to give her the thoughts of like, you know, this is what it can be. This is how it should be. And like, you don't have to... Uh, use this as a coping mechanism. And I don't mean for that to, like, sound shamey or anything. Like, I want her to, like, grow into realizing you can have, like, love and intimacy and it be okay. Like, it doesn't have to be a traumatic thing every time. Um, And so we didn't necessarily get that. And I thought that's what was coming. But I guess hopefully within their character development that'll kind of go that way. I would like to see that. I actually like that because, one, any any type of trauma 
or any type of mental um, issue people are dealing with, it doesn't get resolved like that. It's oh, a no. slow. It's a slow, uh, slow, uh, slow process as oh, they sure. yeah. kind of come to their come to their a different thinking and mindset. So I think this kind of not having their kind of her was kind of resolving and coming to a better place immediately in the season uh, creates. Uh, it makes more sense realistically and also creates um, more interesting character dynamics in the second season. Yeah, I mean, I definitely don't think that season two is going to start with him, you know, being great. There's definitely going to be some conflict there, just, you know, narratively. So yeah. see how they introduce that conflict, whether it's her getting over Louis when everyone starts to discover that he's, you know, not quote unquote alive or <laughs> yeah. you know, missing from school. And and, and Juno kind of playing the manipulative games. I think, yeah, Juno's going to show up. Like, oh, she's going to do something awkward like a teenage boy would do. Yeah. And it's going to push her away. And it's probably, I mean, I imagine there's going to be some more cliche type of stuff. But yeah, I think the show as a whole is not very cliche. So uh, I'm very interested to see what they actually do with that. So the other thing that I really liked about Lagoshi and um, Haru's relationship is they both had like a mutual understanding of they like each other, but they have to wait. And when they got back from the summer, Lagoshi pretty much just looked like such a brighter person. And I think that the scene was like colored brighter as well, just to mm-hmm. emphasize that. And even his uh, good boy noticed that. He was just like, wow, he looks so much more happy. And I was like, yeah, he finally actually, like, came to terms with himself, I think. Since we keep bringing him up so much, I guess we should probably go into talking about Lagoshi now. Um, I like him a lot. I love him quite even. So someone else talk about it so I can get all my thoughts out. (laughs) At first, I really uh, disliked him. uh, Because that first introduction you see of him when he uh, does the attack on... Uh, Haru and then kind of in the early episodes he's kind of um, how do I delicately put this He he's kind of um, predatory at first not in the and it was hard for me to not think of just kind of guys kind of leering at women at, um, usually so at first I was like I, I hope this isn't his characterization throughout the show luckily he progresses and gets better but at first i i really didn't like him um i i i liked how um kind of t- talking to tobias about the show earlier in the week um that he kind of um represents kind of the probably the everyday guy of just they're really awkward they probably overthink and that he kind of doesn't really know what to do and is really just kind of confused as a teen. And like there was a lot of uh, prejudice going on because there there was a student who had just been killed. So everybody was like as the show started off, all the predators versus all the uh, herbivores were all at each other's throats. And uh, it was really uncomfortable. And he was like one of the few predators in the drama club. So he was just like, yeah, uh, you could tell that like people were kind of uneasy or uh, 
like around him at first and I'm I'm pretty sure that he didn't really like that very much. Mm-hmm. I think it's um hilarious that he's an awkward theater kid. Oh, I do love that. <laughs> when he's probably like six foot five and ready to kill at any moment. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about like all the characters actually now you bring up his height. Like mm-hmm. it's really he funny made- and you don't really notice it until there's like two characters like juxtaposed next to each other. Mm-hmm. The, like the height differences are really comical. Oh gosh, yeah. Like Haru's not even at his waist. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah, like that one scene where she's telling off her bullies, and he just walks up behind, and they are just looking <laughs> up at him. And you start to see his shadow looming over them. Yeah, I'm just like, oh my god, he literally could kill all of them if he wanted to. Mm-hmm. And he get, he bends down to her level to just to I make know. her to make yeah, her feel more yeah. comfortable. I was like, that's not fun to me in real life when people do that, but in this show, it's very cute and charming. (laughs) So, I will say that Lagoshi is just Shinji Ikari, but a wolf. Lagoshi is Shinji's uh, persona. Uh, well, no, I would I would say that's a very apt metaphor here. Um, they're both he's got kind a little of more. He's got a little teenage. more personality to him than Shinji did at first. Well, and I mean, also, he, he's, he's, he he definitely could break out of his um, uh, cowardice, his fear, better than Shinji does. He's got a better grip, but he still is in his own head, um, just in the same way that like Shinji would be here. So true. I think that most people would I would identify very positively with Lagoshi because. We've all been through that sort of awkward teenage phase. Uh, you know, I can, like I mentioned earlier, with him sort of facing off against Bill, it's very much this toxic masculinity and Legoshi rejecting that. That he's got these instincts. He definitely feels to some degree like he should be embodying these, these, you know, be this a better male because of the way the society has framed it. And, you know, while Bill has given into that, wholeheartedly and continues to believe in and embody these aspects Legoshi challenges them at every turn and he has to fight back against what society tells him what his own instincts tell him to be his own life to be his own person and to live how he feels like he has to live and he's at constant um conflict uh, with that in himself to the point where there's at least one whole episode that is just him talking to himself <laughs> there's the whole scene where they're at the table together eating and oh, they're yeah. thinking drastically different thoughts yes. and while I, I as someone who likes character driven uh like scenes like that i liked it but on the other hand i just wanted something to actually happen <laughs> <laughs> and there's just five minutes where they're like eating together and he's like oh god should i talk with her what i say i'm a nerd and she just like oh god he's gonna Internally, kill me she's like <laughs> but that's every like teenage boy of just we overthink we overanalyze yeah. oh yeah and, yeah and i we probably still do <laughs> to some degree yeah but oh yeah I, and that's why I kind of compare him to Shinji and that, you know, a lot of people give Shinji gaff for being, you know, a coward and boring and, you know, lack of personality. But he's honestly a better, a better, a more well-written Japanese teenager than most of the, the giant robot kids are. And I, we I have Legoshi embodies that. I guess, I guess you're right. I just think more of uh, Shinji Ikari with, dealing with more severe mental trauma than Legoshi is yeah is going, sure is, sure is is, yeah. is 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 going through he's going through more of like 
trying to figure out his identity and try yeah, it won't to it won't be until next season that lagoshi gets in the robot so we're probably going to see his trauma start to come <laughs> oh, out yeah. mecha wolf mecha wolf in contrast though they showed haru doing a lot of the same thing like she kept like fighting back and forth internally between her thoughts and her feelings and um mm-hmm. They just normalize that as well. I mean, you know, it doesn't matter your gender or species. I think people, <laughs> when they feel awkward, tend to be inside their own head. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, Haru, like, she definitely, she said it. Like, she was conflicted with her feelings for him, not even just as, like, a lover, but as a friend. Because mm-hmm. she's like, I couldn't figure out if you were just trying to get close to me because either you wanted sex or you wanted to, like, kill me. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she gave him the opportunity for both multiple times. Yeah. So. Um, I don't know. This is just very much the type of character that I really like. And the moment I was introduced to him, I was just like, great. <laughs> Thanks. Um, he... He's just a good boy, and I love when his tail wags whenever he's happy, and he's just very awkwardly adorable and charming, and I think is a very multifaceted character, um, and I want to see him grow into having more confidence, and um, I think mm. he, along with Haru, is like the other character that I feel like I relate with in the show very much, because he's just awkward and trying to navigate his life and yeah live it and feel just in that and he doesn't have to um he doesn't have to you know fall into those social norms and i said something like a while back when we were kind of watching through the first few episodes and i was just like you know other than being extremely toxically masculine there's really no wrong way or right way to be a man and if lagoshi feels the need to kind of subdue himself and be a little more into his feelings that's fine there's nothing wrong with that like but also if you want to be like super ripped and go to the gym and play football like mm-hmm. that's totally valid as long as you're not being a dick <laughs> right. um so, yeah Tori, i have a i have a question for you and mm-hmm. you, you don't have to answer it if, if this is uncomfortable but it, in the first couple episodes he's it's they kind of there's a two metaphors going on where mm-hmm. it's the predator uh, predator metaphor of the animals, but then it's also the kind of the sexual leering that he has for Haru mm-hmm. at first, and when he's kind of going through that in the early episodes, was that kind of uncomfortable for you as the viewer? Maybe it was because I chose to be naive, but I did not really register it as sexual. But I guess it probably is. Um, I mean, I, it didn't make me comfortable, or sorry, it didn't make me uncomfortable in the moment that it happened. I was more shocked by it, I guess, the fact that he, like, gave into it and actually, like, pounced her, but Mm, I guess I would say the same thing if it was an actual person doing that as well, like, um, I don't know, yeah, I don't think it actually made me uncomfortable the first time I watched it, but I definitely see how like it's him forcing himself upon her what's the word i'm looking for in a very impolite way i guess um yeah that's i had a thought yeah um 
I think, I think what got me worse was the, the lion, like, grabbing her by her tail and basically just, like, staring into her nether regions. That made, mm. that got me really bad. Um, yeah. but, mm. no, I, I, I think I was fine. I didn't really, that, mm. that part didn't bother me so much, no. Huh. Yeah. I think in that part, we don't really have a lot of these, the metaphors and the characters set up. We don't really know much about Haru at all at that point mm-hmm. in her own uh, history and issues. So it just seemed like they were going with a very kind of maybe heavy handed prey predator metaphor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't, I guess I didn't really realize what they're going with on that angle until at least a couple of episodes later when you could sort of pass it off as again, the whole animal thing. I think that that adds these layers of metaphors, but you don't. I, I, I guess it's best not always to view them as literal things when mm-hmm. you mm. make them out to be characters. So, like if we these were humans, you know, it wouldn't literally jump a character and scratch your arm. Uh, you know, it's not like something she just would notice. But there's also this angle where she wants to be devoured to some degree. Part is part of her instinct. She's also given up in some degree, mm. which maybe yeah. you can view that as. Maybe she just wants she's... her suffering to end. Like, she's almost sort of, like, low-key suicidal. Yeah. And, like, she's come to this point where she can get that power from anybody, mm-hmm. it seems like. You know, she's she slept with a lot of people. Maybe she's getting tired of that transactional, loveless sort of relationship with anybody she wants. So she's kind of given up and just, that's why she's, like, I don't know. Like, maybe, there's, maybe. it's one of the things to think about, but it's also, like... You're, you're right. There's a lot of complicated, messy things the show, I think, is trying to say that does sort of protect you and protect itself beyond these, uh, you well, know, these non-literal things. And I, maybe it's, maybe that's just me. It's just I'm it's because you, as kind of you said, like as a viewer, it's hard for you not to graph your own metaphors for whether it be race, whether it be men and women dynamics, whether it be uh, uh you could probably do an economic uh, metaphor at some point uh, onto this, so it's hard not to kind of put that pattern onto the onto the characters and onto the story. Lagoshi was at the student festival and saw her talking to to um, Louie and he was like 
you're mine and like smeared all that paint on his face i was like don't know (laughs) there was the one line that he said to the lions where he's like she's my prey and i was like oh what do you want from me show why are you doing this to me yeah but could you also view that as like he's just trying to build up his confidence in uh kind of talking to her and confronting louie yeah maybe a little bit like I could, I could definitely see it from either angle. Like, if he's getting into the point where he's just like, okay, I got this, I can do it, blah, blah, blah. But it just felt very, felt kind of sinister. And I was, when he made that face, I was like, sir, yeah. hello? I was, uh, I was actually going to mention that. I think that's probably my one favorite scene is him smearing yeah. the paint on his face. Just very uh-huh. powerful. And I think that really shows, that kind of shows just, again, how messy this is. Like, we, it's, it's easy to think of Legoshi being good boy. You know, he's, he's perfect and yeah. innocent and sweet. But no, like, he, the whole point here is that he is very complicated. And sure, mm-hmm. he has these feelings. Uh, he's very predatory, both in context of eating as an animal and also hunt, you know, hunting somebody else that he's struggling against and he doesn't want to be that. But as someone who's discovering these feelings for the first time, it's very easy to come into this very um, possessive uh, attitude with it. And I don't think he wants to possess her, treat her as an object, but there's certainly a feeling that you can get, especially in an awkward teenage relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a really great way to show that on film is he's just watching it and he's just frustrated. That pain on his face is that frustration. Yeah. And that's the one I kind of, there's a lot of, I guess, secondhand embarrassment that I get watching Legoshi because I mm-hmm. didn't do those feelings growing up <laughs> there's as, certain, a, as a teenage boy. Certain things I want to call him that I will not utter on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, gotcha. those are, they're all messy and we're, we're, not, we're not, nobody's perfect. And we've gone through a lot of stuff and done a lot of crappy stuff growing up and even now. And we see that in like like Legosi is that he's got these problems, and while he's struggling to be better and be a better person and rise above, he doesn't always succeed. And I think, oh, and while we it's... we learn from those uh, those actions, like oh, that was really <laughs> stupid of me to do. So I, I mean, if we don't go through those kind of stupid phases and stupid ideas, how can we learn? That's very true. Yeah, that's why it's hard to like. Hold on, let me gather my thought. Being an adult is it's so hard. Like I kind of talked about this earlier, like in our chat. It's hard going back and watching people half my age deal with certain things because one, I feel weird as an adult, like prying on these young children's problems, but also it's like a lot of this I have gone through. And like you said, it's hard to go back and watch it because you just want to be like, no, 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 don't do that. But at the same time, you have to have these experiences to, like, figure out what to do. I, I think it's, it's very important to remember that they're all, you know, times of, of trials and tribulations. And, and how you have to learn by doing. And some people, that's doing some bad stuff to get to that point. And not to excuse it because you have to do it. But in this case, like, you've got to struggle through these feelings for you get to the other side of it. And Legoshi does handle it better than most, but he still does have to handle it. And uh, I think when we see season two, again, I haven't read any of the manga, so I don't know. I think we're going to see more of him trying to fight against that. For sure. It's going to be an issue where he's going to, he will, you know, metaphorically or literally bear his fangs at her. Yeah. And uh, it won't be the best. We're definitely going to see more of him, probably the worst parts of him. Mm -hmm. But he'll have to come over it and get over it. 
Right. And I think it says a lot about him when you mentioned the burying his fangs thing. Um, when he went to attack the lion and he did go vicious, but he purposefully, um, missed his vital point of killing him. Like, I guess he bit him in the shoulder or something versus like the jugular or whatever. But, um, that really kind of ties into that as well. I think like. No, it's important to remember that he is, he is a big boy. He is a wolf at the end of the day. And he does possess a lot of that power whether he uses it or not. And it's a matter at the end of, you know, using it for the, for, for good in this case to rescue her. But I think we'll mm-hmm. see as things progress. And, um, when we get more of these, cause we saw it, you know, of course the beginning when they killed Tam, we see the part where he protects Louis from that tiger. I think it was, or that cheetah or something. Yeah. When that cheetah was going to attack Louis, when he was giving, um, you know, remembering Tam, I think we're going to see a lot more of that prey herbivore, uh, you know, prey, prey predator metaphor show up here, and he's going to have to fight more back against that. Less than a relationship aspect, I think, and more uh, as a racial thing, possibly, mm-hmm. in season two. can go into the fun part which is um the production and how the show was made and the people who handled it and all that good stuff all right so the director was shinichi matsumi um he was the ast director on palm poco i assume that meant art director um or assistant director on um palm poco and porcaroso um he also did stuff like land of lustrous uh, the script was written by Nanami Higuchi, uh, who did screenplays for the Little Witch Academia episodes um, and was literature. an assistant on Kiz Neighbor, uh, the literature assistant on Kiz Neighbor. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, Ooh, the music, that's right, Kiz Neighbor. Yep. The music was done by... Uh, get out of the way. I can't read it. <laughs> um the music was done by Satoru Kos- Kosaki, uh, who did the Monogatari series, Fireworks, Lucky Star, Haruhusi. I mispronounced the, my favorite one out of these. <laughs> they did Lucky Star, Haruhi Suzumiya, and uh, Wake Up Girls. And, like, damn, it was really good music. Like, I definitely love this. And now that I'm thinking about it, I definitely do see the um, comparisons to Haruhi. Imagine the chaotic genius that goes on in the mind of the man who wrote the opening for Lucky Star and Haruhi. Right, yeah, exactly. Um, the character design was down by done by Nao Otsu. Um, they did some designs for Banana Fish, um, the firearms for Tanya the Evil. Uh, they did Lupin the Third, Goodbye Partner. Um, his dog was apparently used as inspiration for Lagoshi's fur. And honestly i gotta say like the character design was like really good in this one and like (laughs) the biggest thing out of the first sex scene where she's like you know feeling him up basically 
I was just like that those fur effects are like really good (laughs) so um to interject on that there's a good video that austin linked earlier we should put in the show notes um from kenipa effect and he was talking about how they used like two or three separate programs to animate that one whole scene um so it's a program within a program used to make it look so natural and um the character designer um, made it a point to start out with all the emotions done in a 2D format. Um, so they had a better reference, whereas the opposite was done for Land of the Lustrous. They animated everything in 3D and then went back and they had a 2D artist like clean up the, the frames, um, like give them notes they would draw over the CG. And um, it was just mentioned how much of a difference that that actually makes. So um, pretty crazy to know that so much was involved, I guess. <laughs> yeah yeah okay so moving on with that though we'll definitely have that in the show notes um Mm -hmm. the other big thing that we're going to be talking about is the opening stop motion that was done by uh dwarf studios who also did the real akuma netflix series that opening was probably the most creative opening Mm -hmm. that i've ever seen like period and stop like i loved it uh, I liked how the music sort of changes and the way the visuals change with it. The first half is, you know, him kind of stalking her through the woods, the woods that are made of Rui's antlers. And it's kind of, uh, it just feels kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. But then when the sun comes out and they start dancing, it picks up and it's really sort of catchy. And I, I liked seeing how they did that with the visuals. It was so cute. Oh, my God. When she jumps up and gives him the little kisses on his snoot, I'm just like, I'm suffering. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I also wouldn't have been mad if the whole show looked like that, honestly. (laughs) Honestly, like, I'm not the biggest fan of stop motion animation, like, as a whole thing. So if the show was fully stop motion animated, I honestly probably would not have watched it. Um, but that opening was really good. Like you mm-hmm. could see that the the passion put into it. But like stop motion to me just kind of bothers me. I don't know why. Like I definitely love the old the old Christmas specials like Rudolph and Frosty. I still watch those every year. But just anything else, I really can't watch it. Not even Wallace and Gromit. Okay, Wallace and Gromit is really <laughs> good as well. There, there's a few exceptions. I watched Chicken Run recently, and that movie does not hold up. It is terrible. Oh, no. Oh, no. I will say, though, for that movie, getting off on a bit of a tangent, it has a shocking number of references to The Great Escape, which I did appreciate. (laughs) It's okay to be wrong, Ryan. Anyway, um, (laughs) I, that, the opening, honestly, is what just pulled me in so much, like, the care, because, like, I believe Haru and Lagoshi were needle felted, which if you guys don't know much about that, that's a very tedious process where you have to poke like um, wool that's been uh, like, I don't know how to explain it. It's like brushed out so it's super fuzzy. And then Mm -hmm. you like take two needles and a tool and basically punch it into a foam block to shape it. It takes quite a while unless you're like really good at it. But um, the fact that they look like they were made that way to give them that like fuzziness and like softness, which is really, that's what pulled me into it. It's just insane. And I think the reason why people, most people like stop motion animation is because 
of just how people realize the sheer amount of work that goes into it. Because, oh, absolutely. Because you are shooting frame by frame little movements that you are doing with the figure, with uh, your figures and everything that's on, um, uh, that's, that's in the shot. Uh, so it's a very delicate and long, arduous process, but when it works, it works really well. Right, like, I just, um, I just went to go double check, but, like, for instance, it took, uh, three, almost four years to film the entirety of The Nightmare Before Christmas, and that was, like, with a whole production team of people, so, um, I know this is just, like, one little opening sequence, but even though it, you know, we can say, oh, it's not that long, it's whatever, but, like, each individual movement just... I don't know. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's so cool. <laughs> yeah. Like a, like another reference is uh, the Wallace and Gromit shorts. Like each of those shorts took about, like they're about 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And they took about uh, two to three years to make each. Yeah. Wow. I always look at, whenever I think about like the amount of work it takes to put into stop motion animation, I think of that one episode of Parks and Recreation where ben ben makes his own and he's been like working for like days on it Think a depressed person could do this right he like he spends like days on this like thing that he made and he made like three seconds of what he had planned and he like Mm -hmm. the realization sets into him of how long Mm -hmm. it was gonna take him oh god yeah that's an incredible scene Mm -hmm. can we talk about um Kind of, uh, unless you guys want to talk more about the opening, but just Studio Orange in general and their use of CGI. Yeah, we can continue on with the production train. So it was produced by Studio Orange, who did uh, Land of the Lustrous and a huge portfolio of in-between CG stuff. Um, It was founded by Eiji Inamoto, and he's basically the father of current CG animation procedures. So that's kind of awesome, and I'm glad that this studio worked on this then. Mm-hmm. Um, in that video I was talking about as well, they were <laughs> mentioning how like he would very sneakily cut frames. Um, it goes into much more detail because I'm not going to explain this correctly, but um, it shows how like they'll drop the frames per second to basically look more like 2D. That's kind of the gist of it. But um, before that was the norm, um, Eiji Inamoto would subtly cut frames in the shows that he was working on as just like a entry level CG artist. And <laughs> um, because of that, now has his own studio. And, you know, like was mentioned, is basically the guy who perpetuated the way that CG animation is done now. So that's he was kind, kind of, of a little jerk. <laughs> Could we say how CG should be done in anime? Because most CG animation. Uh, like your polygon pictures of the world or uh, certain uh, certain uh, works uh, that are done with CG look really bad and I think yeah. what makes what makes him different is one he knows CG is a is it's just like a tool you know you have to know how to use it mm-hmm. and he seemed to um, be more delicate and not rush it where in the same video they said, um, he would not rush his uh, production, uh, his production crew ragged. Like he would say, you need yes. to go home. You need to take breaks. Um, and they take their time uh, to, to do their production work. I mean, because if, if you think about it, Land of the Lustrous 
was in 2016. This is their their second show as uh, mm-hmm. which is in uh, 2019-2020. So in so it's about uh, I'm probably gonna do stupid math uh, four to five years. So uh, they take they take their time when it comes to uh, production. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think Orange is definitely the studio to pay attention to. Uh, we see a bunch of not so great 3D CG shows, you know, in anime, but we've got, you know, Land of the Lustrous and Beastars here, where they seem to have blended a lot of more traditional um, animation styles and made it work. Um, mm-hmm. the, one of my favorite scenes is the part where he, they first sees Haru in the garden and the little anteater, I think, goes with him. Yeah. And the anteater chickens out. And if you go back and watch the scene where he's leaving through the door and the way his arm moves through, he's just very cartoony. Mm-hmm. And you don't really see that sort of cartoon, like motion blur kind of done in 3D a lot, or 3D CG a lot, except when 3D Orange comes into play. So I think they definitely have been able to get over a lot of people's misgivings with 3D CG stuff just because of their, their visual style. Uh, it's usually their stuff or. The stuff is like Lupin the Third, the First, and uh, Dragon Quest Your Story. That seems to be more of a, a car- cartoony style to their their stuff, but also very fluid mm-hmm. um, animation. How about Kimono Friends? I, I feel bad I've not watched Kimono Friends yet. <laughs> <laughs> How about them Kimono Friends? Kimono Friends. Um... I've watched a bit of it, and the um. The animation style that that has, I'm not a particular fan of, fan of because it's like trying to be kind of 3d but i feel like it doesn't really work that well oh i love it it's so charmingly ugly but i love it <laughs> yeah absolutely um but that yeah that's, that's probably for another episode um i talked about him a bit in my panel um that i did on precure but the guy who does the uh cg animated dances for the endings i feel so bad that i cannot remember his name right now but he has this like beautifully flawless um two and a half 3d style that just so flawlessly blends between like static to like moving parts and um if i can find it i can also put that in the show notes but oh my gosh like i think this is one of those things that people are still figuring out how to use it i mean computer animation's been around like forever like the 3d animation but um like Bill said, I think, it really takes somebody to toe the line of, like, when it looks good and when it's just, like, really obvious. Like, I've seen, like, cars and tanks or whatever in certain shows that literally just look like they copy-pasted it off of, like, somebody's beginner animation project. Yeah, and I think the other thing to add is um, this CG uh, animation is a technology that is constantly evolving, in mm-hmm. changing in terms of power and resource so uh try and go back and watch like initial d when they were using a cg animation for all the race or all for all the race scenes it right. looks really jaggy today or for like a western work uh like i was saying earlier the the water work in uh in frozen 2 is beautiful and mm-hmm. a much more detailed than in frozen 1 that's because for sure. That's because as time has gone on, uh, people have, the tools have gotten better and better, and people have gotten a better understanding of how to use them. 
um, I'm really looking forward to see what else they end up doing um, because they're kind of in the same boat where they've only done uh, three shows. There's one more that they were the actual producers of, and I cannot remember. I don't know why I didn't put it in the notes, but um, they also... Um, like was mentioned, are mostly making their business doing like CG for other shows. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see what else they end up coming out with. Want to talk about uh miss itagaki yes uh paru itagaki is the original creator and she is the daughter of keisuke uh keisuke itagaki who wrote baki the grappler and um they were a chicken mask during public appearances <laughs> a part a part of it was she didn't really want people to feel like she was benefiting from nepotism since mm-hmm. Baki is such a popular series and she didn't want to feel like she was jumping into this, you know, riding on the sh- shoulders of her dad. So for Yafe, she was very hush hush about her relationship with him. And, you know, just like a lot of Japanese creators now, like uh, Yoko Taro, you got to wear a mask in your public, man. That's how you get people. Yeah, you got to be weird sure. in public. <laughs> I mean, I I can kind of understand that. Like, I think it's super cute that Daft Punk does it because their reason is like, we're just anxious. <laughs> um, and like, I can understand that. And I think, I think the reasoning of wanting, wanting something other than your looks or your pedigree or whatever to be the thing that's associated ver- with your work versus like what you actually do and convey in your work. I could see how that would be frustrating. Yep. Absolutely. The fact that she relates to chickens though does that at all influence that one <laughs> little scene at the beginning of one of the episodes we got with the chicken girl? Oh my. Um, Bill, finish your thought and then we'll go into the chicken thing. Uh, you mean the character from Parappa the Rapper? Uh, yeah. Oh god. Uh, <laughs> oh god, that's uh, wrong. Every, every time I saw her, the chicken uh, the chicken sequence from uh, Beastars, I just kept thinking of the chicken from Parappa the Parappa the Rapper uh, just wanted to um, just crack 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 the egg into the ball. So uh, the only way that I could wrap my head around the scene was just like to detach myself from the literal thing that was happening because God, it was weird. Like um, yeah, that was yes, that was like consume a, me. <laughs> that was like a tangent town within the show. We're just gonna have so this apparently process. from what I've come to understand that that's a funny gag in the manga that people really like. I've not gotten that far to see it, but apparently it was fan service. <laughs> I, I I think it would have made a lot more sense if it was a continuing running joke throughout the show and not just in one episode. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Um, so, I don't know. I guess maybe she'll show back up in 
season two running her little weird egg business. Yeah. <laughs> like when we, um, when we were getting that, I was like, this is a really weird episode. And then it was just the opening and I'm like, okay, that was funny. Yeah. Um, but I, I agree with the quote that you have there, like that she takes responsibility for what she produces. And I wish to be like her, like if you separate the fact that literally this is a chicken laying eggs and being proud that people think her eggs taste good. I'm like, oh, that's like when I bake things and I want to watch people eat the things that I bake because I hope they'll be good. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it, it, it's it's like that, but like to another degree because it's like you don't have to alter your diet and like exercise in order for your baked goods to taste good. She like yeah. literally altered her life so she could have the best quality eggs. And I'm like, that's dedication right there. Yeah, she's she's very proud of her work. I mean, I guess it's the same thing as like, authors doing writing exercises or painters doing painter exercises i don't paint know by it's, it's really like any it's like artist a paint, whether it's like a painter you're training doing paint by or numbers. you're practicing or it's yeah. you know just kind of just kind of doing that you're not really changing your diet exactly but i mean hell you've, you've changed your lifestyle to make your work stand out and i right. think that's what matters to her the most mm-hmm. <sighs> all right well I think we're kind of getting to the end, which is really crazy because I feel like we barely scratched so the surface. So if that's the case, we move on to questions. Well, no, because I have the favorite question, which is favorite scene. Well, that's a question. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Is that a question mark? <laughs> All right. Um, do you want to start then? Um, sure. I have a lot of favorite scenes, but if I had to narrow it down to one... I really like when they're in the hotel room and he wraps her up like he did in the very first episode, but it's more of a wholesome, loving thing. But then it's like juxtaposed in the big, weird floor to ceiling mirror, the original time that it happened. Um, that just really stuck out to me. I think that's like my favorite shot for the most part in the show. I just, gotcha. there's so much emotion and things to unpack there that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I like that scene, too. It was very good. Mm-hmm. My personal favorite was, like, more of a humorous one, and I was torn between the chicken opening and this one, <laughs> but I, I decided to go with this one just because the shock value of, of it and, like, the sheer effect there were more than just the two or three characters involved just made me, like, die laughing at first was when he's off trying to rescue Haru and they all and the dorm mom found his porn <laughs> and just everybody there is like oh my god and i'm just hey, like what? oh my god his life is over and then at the end of it they're all like yeah he's fine yeah they like totally <laughs> forgot about his just weird rabbit porn collection but i was just yeah. like that scene it just wasn't a collection it, it was one it was magazine. one magazine wasn't it a couple <laughs> no I thought it was she one. Out, like two or three no, it was one. It was like okay, getting. It was remember. just like getting along with rabbits or something. Oh. It was a normal book. Yeah, those three books were like befriending small creatures, how to talk to herbivores. Oh yeah, okay. So it was just the one porn, but it was the other yes. books. I was thinking multiple books then, but yeah, I just love that that they all just like react so viscerally to like somebody yeah. having that. And I was just like, oh my god, poor guy, can't have any privacy in this world. No. 
Let's see. I think my favorite scene, and I'm going to have to pick, is everything with Goshen. Because once I found out he was the voice of Blackjack, I'm like, you're my new favorite character. Uh, especially when he just busts through the door with his bamboo crossbow. crossbow. <laughs> I love I that. Just, and it's just like, why are you? You're just so cool. Uh, and him, and also all the fight scenes with him, uh, with, Yaku, with the Yakuza goons, where mm-hmm. he gets slammed over with a table. Just just like, I can take it and just knocks them all down. Uh, so yeah, I the whole fighting sequence, uh, trying to save uh, uh, Haruchu uh, was great. As usual, there's a couple scenes and I can't really pick. Uh, I think the paint smear face one was probably the one that'll stand out the most. Uh, I think one of my favorites is the part where Jack discovers his porn book. (laughs) Just like (laughs) a golden retriever. Betrayed and like, I thought I knew you better than this, man. I thought you were a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty great. Um, I one scene that struck out to me visually was the scene where Louis loses his horns yeah. and his face is covered in blood. Yeah, and we see this character vulnerable for the first time and the only time in the series. And it's just a very striking scene with the sun, the sunset, and blood on his face, and he's just kind of standing there and trying to re, you know regain whatever you know poise he has. Mm-hmm. Stuck out to me a lot. I think it's it's become a third impact podcast tradition we get a bunch of questions from our good friend basil from <laughs> the great uh podcast the awesome cast so his first question is crap i'm going to have to watch this show aren't i i think you are basil i think you are yeah <laughs> absolutely you, you, you gotta watch it basil you gotta yeah uh do i need to watch the zoo animal disney movie for the show uh, uh, I think it's definitely important for you to understand uh, the intricacies of a few different characters. Like, there's definitely um, a hidden analogy between uh, Nick and um, Lagoshi. Stop. Do you want Beastars on baby mode, or do you want Beastars <laughs> on adult mode? Which one well, is it? Yeah. Which, which I, I would say you don't, because I've still not seen Zootopia. So... Zootopia is actually pretty okay. good. Yeah, I've yeah. heard it's very, I've heard it's good, yeah. but um, I would say it's more your preference of what you want to do. Um, from a scale of Tezuka to Soda, how is the anthropomorphizedness of the animals handled? Okay, let me say something. If it was not for Tezuka discovering Scrooge McDuck, we would not have all this nonsense. 
So we yeah. should really thank Carl Barks. Absolutely. Are you trying to say it's a good thing or a bad thing? I don't know um, if you're condemning so Jessica or not. <laughs> when I was, okay, tangent, just sort of on topic tangent. When I was doing research for the uh, panel that Austin and I do with like Disney in Japan, um, when Tezuka died, his daughter found in a locked box, like, cartoon snakes with boobs. What? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm just in this article to you guys. Um, and it's all because uh, Tezuka was a big fan of how Disney made anthrom- anthropomorphized animals and made it a weird thing. <laughs> um, you would be surprised or not surprised to see how many of your favorite creators have porn in their catalog. Yep. <laughs> Not surprising. Yeah. Apparently, there's a rumored book um, that they use to desensitize new artists to various networks about how their characters are going to be utterly desecrated. Um, don't know if <laughs> yeah. that's true or not, but that's very tragic, and I really hate that for them. <laughs> to like legitimately answer this question, I would say more leaning towards Hosoda. Like, it's not... It's not necessarily supposed to be sexualized, but there are elements to the plot which delve into that. Um, like, but I know Tezuka doesn't necessarily publicly rely on that either, but they go more towards Hosoda because they're bipedal. One thing I do want to bring up there, and we kind of touched on it earlier, was the way they cover height differences mm-hmm. between the animals is very unique. Uh, something like Zootopia, they they like touch upon it a little mm-hmm. bit with uh, a stark. couple scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here it, it it's almost like Uncanny Valley esque, especially mm-hmm. when Haru and Legoshi stand next to each other. Uh, just how big he is and how small she is. Uh, but yeah, that's I would say that stands out for sure with the the way they've done these critters mm-hmm. yeah mm. uh, if you were an animal in this show what would you be and why i would probably be a monkey mm. <laughs> that's very on brand for you <laughs> yeah yeah and about a suit uh i you know what i think i would be an owl nice an owl because you like to sleep during the day uh, I was thinking more just like I I like to learn things. So. Gotcha. Mm, I'm basic. So, I'd be a wolf. <laughs> so would you, would you be like Juno or would you be better? Um, I would like to think that I'd be better than her, but okay. you know, I'll I'll stake my claim. <laughs> So there's two ways to look at this question. If the first interpretation is, what is your fursona? I'm not falling in that trap. I'm not going to answer that question. <laughs> if, this, if the second interpretation is, which character would you be? Uh, I have identified, like I said, as Legoshi in a lot of ways. I feel like he and Shinji both hit the same notes that I identify with a lot. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to be the basic, uh, <laughs> I'll be the more basic answer of the main character I might identify with, guys. That'll be me. Although I'd probably be like the little, that little mongoose that's a jerk to everybody. <laughs> Kai, I think his name is. Yeah. So in oh. in the Japanese dub, he's voiced by Bakugo. Oh, no. Which is very, a very appropriate voice actor for that role. <laughs> <laughs> I think All that right. ties in the next question. What would the other third impact members be? 
Yes, all 48 of them. Okay. Well, we are a board collective. Edward We've already identified sloth. Austin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I don't take no take backsies on that one because that's 100% true. Yeah, Austin Austin is a good boy. Um, he's Jack. Yeah, he's absolutely Jack. Jack. Will is a bear. Uh, mm-hmm. Edwin is a sloth. Um, Andrew, I feel like would be... I'm getting like goat vibes from him. Andrew's a bird. Andrew's a verb. A bird. Okay. A bird. He's a bird. He's some kind of bird. Hmm. What about uh, Sully? I get bird vibes from Sully as well. Yeah, I could I could see that. Yeah. Definitely different birds. Definitely but... different birds. Yeah. So John is a baboon because he got the butt. <laughs> oh um, <my> God. <laughs> no no argument there, buddy. Um, um I'm trying to See. think what animal would be an idol singer, because then Sarah, because Sarah's being an idols. That would so. also be some kind of bird, like a like a mockingbird or something, <laughs> or maybe like a, a a bird that has a really good singing voice, like a bluebird or yeah. something. Something like so, that. I don't know. So, something like that. All right. Uh, next, we're gonna go to the upside down. Uh. What should it be called if a species is sexually attracted to multiple species? A species. I, I'm not of... going to touch this one. <laughs> yeah, I would say. I, I'm, I'm going to say. I, you know what? There's a great resource called Google. Well, I, I do think it's interesting to bring this up. That mm-hmm. again, we look at the you know the metaphor, but we we do see interspecies relationships throughout yeah. here. and Louis, and. It doesn't really address the issue like, well, what happens if teenage pregnancy happens? I mean, I'm going to assume yeah, it's, it's real <laughs> animal rules and one species can impregnate a different species. But th- I really don't want to go into this. Yeah. Yeah. You're maybe not supposed to think about. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. The way like the way I took this is like, I guess I would apply human rules to it. And I would have to do it on, like, a case-by-case basis because, you know, people are weirdly, you know, people will basically fetishize other races and that is a weird racist act in and of itself. Um, But also, you know, some people are just attracted to anybody that fits their preconceived archetype. Yeah. But so I guess it would be a case-by-case basis, like... You know, I was out having dinner one time and this group of grown white women behind me were basically saying nobody but like the K-pop men they listen to are attractive. And um, the one was just like, yeah, I told my husband that he's ugly compared to like so and so. And I'm like, um, first of all, you sound like a horrible human being. Second of all, like that's really gross. Um, So is it just like, is it one of those where it's like a weird like racist fetish or is it a person who just is attracted to people that they mm. like yeah so. there was also the um the one little offhanded comment she made when they were going to the love hotel and she's mm-hmm. like they they allow interspecies couples here and i was like oh okay that's pretty blatant yeah. well i think for a long time like People of two different races couldn't be married. Like, yeah, no, so that's definitely what the that's definitely yeah. what the analogy was. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> and uh, I like to say, just looking at this not through the lens of the many, 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 many metaphors, uh, that 
whatever child they have would be a would be a creature in a D fantasy game no it would be like a designer dog where like people take a corgi but they make it look like a husky Oh, actually, you're right. That would tell, that's how it <laughs> Which work. I don't like because those dogs are horribly unhealthy. Your pug yeah. can't breathe, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> that's how pugs happened in this, this world. Yeah. Pugs are literally just a mistake. Aw. They're cute, though. But, they're cute, aww. but they were, they're literally a mistake. And that's not yeah. to say anything like, I don't like pugs. They're adorable, but they are literally a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, next question. Next question. Uh, uh, do you think at some point we'll see a, see a character in the series ask another character's parents' permission to, to date? Uh, kind of like the... Uh, will that cause any drama or any storylines of just like adult I interaction? I don't think so. I don't think they're going to... I don't think I've ever seen an anime where a character asks another character's parent permission to date them. Yeah, but, if you if if you've watched enough anime, it's always like the parents are never around. Yeah, parents don't it's, exist. I do I think, see it happening like if there's like a parents' day plot or something and like parents come to visit and he's with Haru, Juno is going to be like, "Look, wolf parents, he's dating a bunny. Aren't yeah. you disappointed?" Like um, something like that. I think abstractly thinking about that question within the universe, I'm sure that has caused a problem. I'm sure he's not the only one. Most most people go through the same problems to some degree, so I would assume that that's created drama in someone's side story that we've yet to see. Well, Louis's parents had like an arranged marriage for him, he mentioned, so right. I'm assuming they yeah. wouldn't have been okay with his bunny lover. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. That's true. And I put this quote here because I thought that was interesting as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Itagaki's really into she's had these characters in like Oshi for a long long time before how, how old is the, the series? series oh she's had it before the series okay yeah so she I mean like Oshi's been a character she's had in her head since high school I think it was wow. so she's like 17 uh, Beastars was the actual story she's written about him but she's had other short stories and uh, she's into other sort of anthro kind of stuff so Beastars is not like interesting you know, different it's not something it's very unusual for her to do but uh another quote from the interview we pulled earlier uh from her for her is um you know if when i ask if there are any other adaptations and aside from the anime and there's apparently a play at Star that now as well there's a stage uh, play she, for everything nowadays yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'd she like would to see uh, that. it would be probably like lion king Right. But she said, uh, if there's another adaptation she'd like to see, it would be a dating some. And that she's talked openly about how she does really find the the relationships between these animals as human analogs to be very interesting. Uh, so I, I think that's it. that's definitely not an unusual question that the upside upside down ask is there's certainly going to be a lot more relationship issues in the the upcoming seasons. Mm-hmm. So if we do see something where it's whether a parent or a teacher or even the rest of society looks down on another character for dating outside of the norm, um, I think we will definitely see something like that. Yeah, there's mm-hmm. definitely an opportunity for that. The the one thing that you mentioned though that I want to like say something about is um she's had this idea in her head or like these characters since like high school so you can tell that this is something she's thought about for a very long time and that's always what makes like wonderful series and just worlds in general and 
I'm yeah. really I'm really glad to hear that. For sure. And I um I remember reading something as well where I think the manga is on volume 17 and she was quoted as saying that she doesn't plan for it to go over any more than maybe like 20-ish volumes. So she's probably okay. had the story thought out long enough to put all the pieces in place and then call what didn't work so i'm hoping it'll wrap up i don't like when things are too long running because it just gets mm -hmm. like... you get you get into filler territory or this serves no purpose mm -hmm. yep. how, how far is it now um 17 just came out not that long ago okay and so how, it, might, I, it might wrap soon then mm -hmm. and how much did the first season of the anime cover um i've only read like i said the first two volumes and it's definitely past where i'm at, i read so a, I really don't know i read a thing online that it goes through like chapter 70 ish mm. yeah so it goes pretty far apparently mm -hmm. okay i'll do the next question yep. sure at mr clean is a goat i would i you know what i don't know we'd have to have that'd be part of like a Branding advertised March Madness type bracket. <laughs> greatest of all time. Yeah, right. Greatest yeah. of all time. But it works. It works here for this podcast. <laughs> let, me, let me correct myself Is real Mr. fast. Clean a goat? Yep. Let me correct it, myself it real fast also. I just looked it up again. It goes through volume it goes through chapter forty eight, volume six. Oh, okay. Which is still a lot. That's six volumes in twelve episodes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, who will win? Mr. Clean or the Jolly Green Giant? We will find out. <laughs> Uh, but but to the general question, uh, do you think the critical success is going to have more animal-centric media that is made for a large audience in mind? Uh, she points to example Trigger's new show that's coming out pretty soon. Uh, is it is it this cup uh, this upcoming season, Tobias? I think I believe it. It yeah. actually just it's... came out in Japan this past weekend. Mm -hmm. It's going to be on Netflix. It's you know, be on Netflix uh, there and here. So it's right. going to be a while before we get it, you know, yeah. officially, unfortunately. But yeah, it's called Brand New Animal, and it looks pretty good so far. From You're going to have to join seen. the Ryan Frequent Flyers uh, Club and fly over to Japan to watch it legally. Sign, sign <laughs> me up. <laughs> granted, granted, the Ryan Frequent Flyers Club is currently grounded due to, you know, oh, the, oh, yeah. uh, international travel restrictions. I'll have to, have to ride the Dodo Airlines in Animal Crossing. <laughs> um i i think anime like most industries goes through trends of like what's really popular like for example just recently a thing i, I noticed a lot was there was a lot of stuff about firefighters going on with Promare and fire force <laughs> yeah there was wasn't there uh that's a bit yeah yeah so i think just like any other uh medium uh it goes through trends now will we get more anthropomorphized works i don't know Mm -hmm. um, I mean, honestly, I don't really think that this show being popular is going to drive that at all because it's not exactly something that's new. Like, if this was the first of its kind, I could see that. But like, I don't really see the credit going to this show for like more animal centric shows because that's been a thing for like a really long time. Well, no, you could say like it's just a revival of that type of idea. Like ideas, I mean, come, ideas come and go. So. There's a difference between like early anthro cartoons. Like Disney stuff, Looney Tunes stuff, and what they're doing here. Mm -hmm. So I'm gonna. This is gonna be my hot take of the episode. You yeah. God, here we that. go. <laughs> so we we talked about before that we do in this podcast whether we were gonna mention the F word <laughs> and talk about the F word, and there was a discussion about that. And I I did a lot of ruminating on it, 
And I think when you look at, you know, you know, the furry subculture and how that's you know, portrayed itself and propagated itself, I think that we are definitely seeing a rise in artists that are more comfortable in doing more furry type stuff, uh, mm-hmm. to, to use that term specifically. I think a lot of that is because we're seeing that subculture start to maybe uh, maybe mature, maybe tighten up a bit. Um, I think when you compare that to anything, I think when you look at anime fandom, how there was a time where anime fandom was considered very awkward, very weird, and mm-hmm. anime fans are more than happy to play into that. But with a few decades of more mainstream mainstream successes, like the Ghibli movies, like shows like Evangelion that seem to catch a lot of people of that age, with the proliferation of anime as a thing, it's become more normal. And there's nothing wrong with anthropomorphic like caricatures. Again, that's what Disney got their star with. That's Looney Tunes. That's we see anthro characters all the time. So there's nothing inherently wrong about that. And I wouldn't argue there's anything inherently wrong with more sexual portrayals either, but it definitely does isolate people from... There definitely is a reaction when people see stuff like Beastars and like, oh, I know where this is going to go. This is going to be a Tumblr thing or this is going to be an internet thing. There's a lot of assumptions that are being made. And I don't think that's entirely fair because Beastars is an incredibly mature show that is amazing. I think it's one of the best from 2019. I think, I mean, I would say at least Tori would agree with me. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think it's the same argument, you know, how people will get upset, myself included, when it's like you start talking about anime and people that don't know much about it automatically assume, oh, isn't that all the porn cartoons? Like, no, it's not. (laughs) So it's I um, completely share your sentiment with that. And, you know, I mentioned earlier seeing people already start to feel ashamed about enjoying the show because they're like, oh, I don't want the internet or I don't want my friends to call me, you know, a furry or whatever. But, like, as long as it's not harmful, just let people enjoy things, you know? Well, I think that's also, like, just being comfortable in your own skin and just kind of showing what you're into. Um, Because that's you could apply that to just anime fandom in general. Like, some people like to keep it more to themselves and some people are more outgoing. And that's mm-hmm. just, it's a level of comfort of uh, comfort and uh, self-willingness to express that, that, that they, they have to decide yeah. what they want to do with. Right. Um, yeah. I, I think for me, it's just at a point now where like, yeah, we've all been edgy teenagers. We all made fun of furries as a thing. And yeah, they do things to make it easy to make fun of them. But I'm kind of at a point now where we're all weirdos here yeah. in our different ways. And, I mean, hell, just this past weekend, we mentioned Animal Crossing New Horizons. That broke sales records. That (laughs) outsold Pokemon, which already outsold, like, it was the best-selling Switch game when it came out two months ago, three months ago. Yeah. Like, everyone, like, everyone with the Switch this weekend is engaging in furry subculture (laughs) to some small degree. So I think that's really what it's going to take is, like, a more normalized, more mainstream approach to this kind of portrayal to get the, the weirdness out. And mm-hmm. I do think Beastars, while it can be a little darker, it can be more heavy material, I think that can show that there can be mature stories that can be told with anthropomorphic characters. Absolutely. And I am just like, if your story is good, I don't care what you make your characters. Like, you know, yeah. Yeah. I I need to 
I guess, call that a little bit. Like, I, I don't care if they're human. I don't care if they're animals. I don't care if they're robots. Right. Like, it, if your characters you, are written well and your story is written well, I don't care how you tell it to me. Yeah, of course. What you just said also reminded me of a tweet I saw that made me laugh a lot about Beastars and Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. Is somebody posted a clip from uh, the fight scene, uh, the Yakuza fight scene, and the caption was, the new Animal Crossing looks real good. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. The memes that have been coming out for the past yeah. few weeks. Like, from both just, of them. From really both good. of them are just so chef's kiss. People yeah. are funny. Yeah. To buy it. Device, I have a bit of a side question. I'll, tr- I'll try and okay. keep this short. The new Trigger show that's coming out, I know it's yep. not going to be like this, but please tell me it's going to be a noir detective story. Because that poster makes me think it's going to be a noir detective story. I mean, I don't know much about it uh, so far. I know that it's directed by Yoshinari, and so we're going to see definitely more Little Witch than anything, I think. Thank God. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> Woohoo! That means Corey and I are going to like it. <laughs> yeah. There's probably going to be some Trigger weirdness, but I feel like it's is definitely toning down the Maishi-ness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, there looks to be some fun, you know, there's some fun character stuff. I've already fallen in love with like the main girl. She just, she just like really cute in the mm-hmm. same way that like uh, Akko is. Yeah, Like an innocent character. There's a scene in one of the trailers where she chugs a Red Bull. Oh, God bless her. <laughs> That's my so... child. I will protect her. <laughs> there's just something really funny about that. But no, I like the other characters they've shown too. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Of course. I mean, you thought that I wasn't going to watch a trigger show, but no, I think a lot, man, a lot of the backgrounds look really good too. Mm-hmm. Every background yeah. they posted from it's, Brand, it's from very, Brand New Animal. It's very like cyberpunk uh, kind of vibe going on. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, it reminds me of the simple backgrounds from Promare. If you remember the backgrounds there, very yeah. low, not a whole lot of lines, very broad colors, bright colors. Uh, it, yeah. It's the same here. And the backgrounds just look, they're all wallpaper material. I just want wallpapers. Of everything from Brand New Animal, but uh, I know it's not gonna. I know it's not gonna be like this. But if you're a noir detective show tricker, new show, I will be so happy because I love noir detective. So there you go. Maybe we'll get mm-hmm. it. Maybe. And our final question. Um, it's by this stranger named uh, Ryan Randin. Rain. Rain. Rian. Rian. He's like the, Rian. like the director of a Star Wars movie. <laughs> uh, uh, you just hurt me. me. <laughs> uh, if you could give up a finger and get paid for it, which finger would you give up? Well, Left how pinky. Much, how, how, much, how much money am I getting? Or like, Is this like a genie wish type deal? Well, the average on the on the one guy's fingers was like five hundred bucks. So, um, well, if you could set your own price, though, how well, this much is, money this am isn't, I getting? This isn't like how much money you're getting. It's like what finger could you live without and have money for it to like be okay? okay. How much money am I getting? Is it being eaten? Who's eating it? I'm ambidextrous, sort of, so it doesn't matter. Well, it's uh, not like it's not like apparently the legend of the pinky toe, where if you lose that, you lose your balance. So that's your big toe, you fool. Was it? I've been, I, I always thought it was your pinky toe. No, it's your big toe. Well, that makes more sense. Uh, I well, I know which one I would get rid of. All uh, right, is I would get rid of my pinky finger on my right hand because I already effed it up. Uh, so uh, hey, why don't we just get rid of it entirely? I would definitely, I would definitely use um, probably my 
lose my pinky finger on my left hand or my middle finger on my left hand just because then if i was like you know trying to give somebody the bird with the left hand they would be like very confused and it would just create an opening for me to punch them in the face i would say uh, any finger except for my middle ones because i'd need them to make gestures at ryan yep (laughs) i would be very sad if (laughs) tobias could no longer give me the bird yeah, actually, I don't want to lose my middle fingers. I love flipping people off now that you, <laughs> now that yeah, you mentioned That's the most it. important one. <laughs> oh, God. my um, That just reminded me of something so stupid. My old roommate um, from my college program who was from New York, she used to say, this is how you say hello in New York. And she would take her <laughs> ring finger and her thumb finger and, like, flick it back and forth to where, like, the joint would, I don't know. I just made me think. Oh, I can't even imagine Ow. what you're trying to say. <laughs> show you she, she would like snap with her thumb and ring just, finger. Please, no, she please. would just she would just like push her ring finger back and forth. So like her finger was moving, oh, like not oh, in a painful like, way. Like, like you should disjoint- be able to naturally do like that. She was like yeah. double jointed or something. No, just if I could, it's a visual thing. If I could show you right now, okay, that's neither here nor there. We're getting off topic. Okay. Yeah, we're, okay. we're we're an audio <laughs> medium, I think. I know, I'm a visual person. Okay, anyway, we'll put it. We'll put a gif of Tori doing it at the bottom, making direct eye contact while yeah. we do it. Um. Okay. Well, I think that kind of wraps things up. Any final thoughts we would like to share? It good. <laughs> Uh, Give in to your inner beast. <laughs> okay, uh, funny that I, at first I really resisted watching this show because I thought it was going to be like a CW teen drama uh, with some indie rock music. <laughs> uh, but uh, but uh, I, because Michael was really pushing for me to watch it, and so I made a deal with him where we'd watch I'd I'd watch Beast Stars, but you have to watch Late That Camp. Because he was really resistant. For some reason, he was like, "Now, nah, like that camp stinks. I'm not gonna like it." And uh, so we're we're doing Live That Camp uh, mm-hmm. now, uh, which is good because Live That Camp is wonderful. Uh, but I, I don't grew, think there could but, be a more different show. Yeah, no. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I am. Uh, I really, uh, I really like B Stars. I think its complexity. With yeah, its I'm characters. definitely. I'm definitely looking forward to second season. This may be one of the things that I just skip to the manga because I like the story a whole lot and I really want to find out what happens sooner rather than later. I hope they bring back the stop motion stuff for the openings for later seasons as well. Oh my gosh, uh, yes. That would be something, really cool. Or do something you know, very different, very unusual. I'm, I'm, I'm very anxious to see what Orange does in the future as well because like, like we mentioned that their work has been really good very notable over the past few years so i'm gonna be paying attention to them you know as closely as uh you know like science Saga or whoever i think orange probably is going to become the new black oh the new one all right all right it is a netflix series after all oh man uh. all right it was a good podcast guys so as usual, you can find us over on the World Wide Web at thirdimpactanime.com. You can follow us on Twitter at ti underscore anime.com. I'm also on Twitter giving into my inner beast to become the top of the top, the beast star. 
at Worst Waifu. Ryan, where are you at on Twitter? I'm currently trying to become a certified internet funny man over at uh, at Midshelf Ryan. You can also find myself, Will, and Edwin on our YouTube channel at Midshelf Gaming, where we talk about video games and video game related things. Perfect. Bill. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at WB Foreman, F O R E M A N 99, where I usually uh, am retweeting and liking stuff and. Uh, just random comments, but if you want to see me in a in a more focused manner, you can find my writing at our website, thirdimpactanime.com. Uh, I've been pretty bad uh, as of late um, with stepping up my writing game, but I'm hoping to uh, pick it up, and uh, I will have some uh, good writing for everybody to read pretty soon. Cool. Also, I should mention real quick that my Twitter is about to have a very special event. We are quickly approaching Ryan's 700th tweet. Wow. It's oh, going to be special. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, let know you affair. Tobias, where are you on the internet? Well, since I can't go outside anymore, I've been posting my Animal Crossing shenanigans on my Twitter. At uh, Reverend underscore Tobias. Would that really be different if you could go outside, though? Eh, Would you be like let's not go and posting them on like public (laughs) message boards? (laughs) Yes. You don't do that. No, not anymore. You don't tape them to like a like a power what power power lines and telephone lines. No, the last time I tried to do that, I got arrested. So you just like you just like print a picture of Rover and like this is my (laughs) this is my boy. (laughs) Okay, guys. This is a pleasure. Remember, wash your hands, minimize outside, check on your friends, watch an animal show, play Animal Crossing. Goodbye. (laughs)